to Sunglasses at Night podcast. The year is 2022. It sure is. Uh, this is the podcast that we started uh, to take a look back at pop music history via the lens of the ARIA charts, Australian Recording Industry Association charts, seeing it as what was going to be number one in each year. And somehow we made it up to the present, pretty much. We so, have. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Last year, to be more specific, some might say that was a year ago. It's as close to the present as we can get in this podcast, Tom. That's right. Absolutely. And look, although it was only 12 months ago, some of these songs I've forgotten they've existed. Yes. Um, And some of them I've heard heard before in my life. Um, Some of them, fortunately, I'd not heard in my life life until we Mm. uh, started doing the review for this. But, um, oh, look, is there there some... um, classics in there that you think in 2042 people will be looking back on going that's 20 years. I can't believe that's 20 years old what a great track well I'm still listening to Tones and I so I yeah. don't know what you're talking about yeah yeah exactly I think um, yeah well me too um, not <laughs> being forced to just every time I walk into a shop someone yeah. seems to be playing some Tones and I um, did you check out her uh, Tones and I song for the 2023 uh, FIFA Women's World Cup Tom did you check out her I song did not from that? no um, dog shit, <laughs> as one would expect. But what I liked about it was that it wasn't an official song. It wasn't like Tones oh. and I was doing the official track oh, okay. for the World Cup. She just or decided the official, they needed one. Yeah, she um, she just said, I've, I've done a song to, you know, in support of uh, the Matildas, the Australian team. I'm going to put my put my support behind them via song. Oh, okay. Did anyone ask you to do that? No, they didn't. <laughs> Does anyone want to listen to this? No, they don't. So... Um, so that I like that the fact that she mm. no longer people are commissioning her for work she's just sort of doing them of her own accord and then well, people aren't caring supposedly according to the Matildas their unofficial team anthem was uh, Nikki Webster's song oh, Strawberry, Strawberry Kisses, Kisses was it <laughs> So great. Maybe she should have done a cover of that instead. You know. Absolutely. Well, that's that's a classic. I mean, that's still that's as good as it was when it was released um, for the Olympics, two thousand Olympics. Is that right? No, I think it wasn't. Strawberry Kisses, the one where she was, you know, uh, turning into a, you know, becoming a, a sexy adult. Oh, was okay. That Strawberry Kisses, or maybe that was later on. Yeah, hard to say, but um, I know that it's it's a great song and, and better than anything Tones <laughs> and I will probably ever do, so there you go. Mm, um, mm. It was released in 2001, Tom, so... Oh, God. Yeah, uh, yeah, so there you go. Maybe she... Pref- <laughs> I reckon she performed it at Sydney 2000 just to wet the whistle. Mm. People went, oh, what's this? And then she dropped the album the next year and everyone's like, oh, I can finally get my hands on that sort of recorded, that disc of, of Nicky Webster's Strawberry Kisses I've been wanting for so long, so... Mm. Or they just got it off... Um, <laughs> Napster in 48 sure. hours took them that to download it but yeah good times so what happened in 2022 oh, last year what happened in 2022 for those listening to this that can't recall mm, oh, a little snapshot of oh. the distant past sure yeah. um, 
Well, the UK, which once around the world, uh, went through three prime ministers in two months. Oh, good. Lost their queen and got inflation up to 15% exacerbated by the snowballing disaster or Brexit. Yep. Uh, when asked for comment, the Tories responded that they had a 17-point plan to solve the crisis and all 17 points involved tax breaks for people who owned a minimum of three banks. Although, to be fair to everyone, you could substitute a football team or castle for one of those banks. Okay. So, yeah, uh, Russia invaded Ukraine, mm. introducing new generations to the retro steampunk thrill of European land warfare. Yes. Uh, personally, <laughs> I think the obsessive war coverage is political correctness gone mad, and we should be more focused on local issues, Ben, yep. such as which of our own politicians is currently up on rape charges or how, how come trans people suddenly exist. Yeah, Why won't true. they stop grooming my children, Ben? I mean, yeah. sure, I don't technically have any, but what if one of my hypothetical children sees a guy wearing a dress? At that point, I've been left with no choice but to commit a hate crime. Yeah. It's a slippery slope, Ben. I'm at the top, nude, completely lubed up in oil, mm -hmm. and at the bottom of that slope is a hot, inviting mass of gender-fluid sexuality that I definitely hate to slide into against my will. Yeah, look, it's, it's a tough one, but I think news.com.au will be covering that, um, I think, <laughs> mm. any time a trans person I'm does sure. something, I'm sure Just they've done something wrong. Just as soon as the voice referendum's over and they've got <laughs> the, their, their completely objective coverage of that out of the way. Speaking yeah. of uh, sexual deviancy, the big movies of 2022 were uh, Avatar, The Way of War. Oh, great. Featuring the song, Nothing is Lost, bracket, You Give Me Strength, end bracket, by The Weeknd. Oh. Uh, Top Gun, Colden Maverick, featuring the song Hold My Hand by Lady Gaga. Yep. Have you heard it? Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, I mean, it's no Danger Zone, but she no. did at least try to make an old-school power ballad. Like, it does actually feature a guitar solo, you know. Here's, here's what I'm going to say about that. Um, from the Top Gun soundtrack, I think there are a couple of video clips released that I remember watching. One of them was Lady Gaga, um, and the other one was One Republic, um, it's too late to Gosh. Um, and the Lady Gaga song was so bad that I actually found myself going this One Republic song's alright and when that <laughs> happens you know that someone's yeah. fucked up because no one should ever say that mm -hmm. uh, other big movies included Jurassic World Dominion oh. which had an orchestral theme by Michael Blacchino that opens with the unforgettable track one Jurassic Logos slash Die Now This Good. Uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Minions Cold and the Rise of Gru, featuring the theme song Turn Up the Sunshine by Diana Ross and Tame Impala, oh. which is infuriatingly like the second best one of all of these songs. <laughs> uh, Black Panda Cold and Wakanda Forever, featuring the song Wiki Wiki Black Panther by Will Smith. Uh, Batman, <laughs> featuring the song A Shit Cover of Nirvana by Sum Ho. Uh, <laughs> Thor Love and Thunder, which dug up four songs by a little known indie vegan collective called called uh, Guns and Roses, oh, I believe. Uh, and Watergate Bridge, featuring The Unforgettable Snowflakes by your mate Wu Jing Yi Yang. Oh, yep. oh, and, sorry, Puss in the Boots, The Last Wish, whose trailer used the 1872 classical orchestral piece Narco by Blaster Jackson, Timmy Trumpet. <laughs> it's good to see <laughs> Timmy Trumpet back. Incidentally, if you're counting along the home, by the way, that's nine sequels and a Chinese action movie which is a sequel. Good, good. So it's all ten. Ten. 
congratulations and congratulations Hollywood we've officially reached a hundred percent sequel is that the first time yeah because I know that yep. when you do the list of top films I'm, I'm often like oh fuck seven out of ten or eight out no, of ten but we're the first time we've hit fully hit ten Great. I was like oh nine we're so close yep. better check that Chinese action film oh it's a sequel <laughs> Um, yeah. Well, look, don't worry, Tom. This year we won't get any of that because uh, Barbie, I don't think that's a sequel to something, although it is a franchise of a heavily popular toy that's, that's been around right. for 50 plus years. Look, I can't Super Mario, that. um, that's technically not a sequel either, but it's a reboot, so we're going to get another whole year of mm. great reboots. I can't imagine why the industry's on strike. It's crazy. No, no, exactly, um, because people try and write something um, that original that hasn't been done before, and they're just like, we don't want anything to do with it. That's right. But, we're thinking uh, of rebooting um, got any Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> How do you feel about Thundercats? Uh, yeah, oh, one last thing before we get started. Tom's mm. extremely rare factual error corner. Oh. Uh, last week I said Kendrick Lamar was gay. I was thinking of Frank Ocean. Oh, Sorry about that. Jesus. Kendrick Lamar is actually trans. His birth name was Mary-Kate Crumbleweather Perkins. Oh, good. Uh, seriously, there have actually been rumours about Kendrick Lamar, so maybe he's on the DL. Yeah, maybe. still better than being on the DHL, where they just send your genitals to Quebec overnight in a <laughs> tightly wrapped parcel. Sorry about that. But they'll right, get there on time. They'll get there on time. <laughs> All right, on to the songs. Yes, fantastic. Oh, All right. yeah, sorry. That's, this is oh. a weird start of the year. Just 3 Jan. Thing. All I Want for Christmas is You, Mariah yes. Carey. One week, Spotify, 25 mil. Mm. Talked about this before. Now, Tom, yep. this year I will say the Australian listening public were a little late to the party Bananas. this year because it's yeah. number one in... So what were they doing? They were, they were The lead up to Christmas, they weren't <laughs> listening to this. And then, like, Boxing Day, they were like, oh, fuck, we better listen to Mariah mm. Carey, which pushed it into it's number one strange. the following year. Look, all I want for Christmas is, you know, is you, obviously, on a near hourly basis, everyone listening to it post-Christmas for whatever reason they're doing. Good to see people mixing it up, as I said. But look, interested to see if this will remain a thing forever. Yeah. Every week I ask this, Tom, and it feels like this is at least, what, the fifth or sixth episode where this has been a number one song at some point during oh, yes. the year. Yeah. Usually December, but you know, Australia, they're just off <laughs> their like fucking mind. The this yeah, for sure. So look, I'm thinking, um, can we, it is September, we only have three months to do it, can we get a campaign going now to get the Ice MC Christmas song to number one in December of 2023? Mm. Um, I'm going to have to hit hard on Instagram. I'm going to have to try yes. and multiply the listenership of this at least 10 <laughs> to 100 fold, maybe a thousand fold. But wouldn't it be great if December this year, instead of All I Want for Christmas is You, it's Ice MC's uh, Christmas song, which is just a reworking <laughs> of one of his already... Uh, yes. shit songs so <laughs> people need more Eurobeats yeah unless we can try and get a Eurobeat New Year's Eve tradition happening where good idea of that dog shit song Old Lang Syne people sing oh, say Rhythm of the Night by Corona and then every be year good. that start of the year 1st of January Rhythm of the All Night right. by Corona I'll, I'll watch some YouTube videos or read some articles about mm. how to go viral, Tom. Um, I'll do that. I'll read that and then we should be able to go viral yeah. and then we'll just get... I assume it's that simple. Um, maybe I should update the, the Instagram more than once every four months. But yeah, that, that'd be great. I think you're right. All I want for Christmas is you, December, then into... Mm-hmm. You know, New Year's Eve, Corona, Rhythm of the Night. Yep. Um, yeah, fantastic. That would be pretty good. So, yeah, absolutely. 
Okay, so we go straight from that yep. into this is a. I was just going to say this is a weird start of the year. So yep. we go straight from that into uh, Cold Heart, Cold Heart brackets Pinow remix by Elm John and Dua Lipa. Yeah, which was ten weeks total, but five weeks last year. Yep. So we've already covered that. Three more here. Three more here. Um, okay. What's what's happening? Is is Dua Lipa touring or some shit? Is, is like <laughs> why why people decided they want to listen to this again? I, I don't honestly know. don't fucking know. No idea. It's a weird year. And then we three go weeks to, of that. Three then weeks of that. Straight into thirty one of Jan. Stay from the Kid Leroy and mm-hmm. Bieber, which was seventeen weeks total. Seventeen weeks total. Three this year. We covered it last Jesus. year. That was started out last year as well. I know seventeen weeks for that shit. Yep. Fucking hell. Barbecue sauce of contemporary pop. The Kid Leroy uh, <laughs> yeah. must have been touring or some shit. Look, I will say this, Tom. I was in Sydney recently. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I went on a holiday to Sydney and I did see a giant mural of uh, the Kid Leroy on a wall in a, in a co- sort of cool inner city suburb. I think oh, it was okay. around Newtown, something like yep. that. They love him there. Now, Tom, um, for those people listening to the podcast that don't know this, there's, there's a big rivalry well, maybe not a rivalry, but a bit of a debate between which is, you know, the better city to live in, Sydney or Melbourne. Sure, you know, yeah. People talk about that a lot. I don't really care about it much or pay much attention, but that seems to be, a you know, sure. news.com.au, you love to play on that. Um, Australia, uh, they're the two biggest cities, if you don't know. Mm-hmm. And recently, uh, Melbourne overtook Sydney for having the biggest population yep. in the country. We that They just redrew the borders a little bit, so mm-hmm. it's sort of like a... A hollow victory, basically. <laughs> what if we include this bit that isn't in Melbourne anymore? There you go. Add 20,000 people and you're good to go. Mm-hmm. So, that's it. Similar population size, though. Um, quite similar, but also some differences. Look, they're two major cities. So, look, if you want good food, good coffee, you know, beaches, sports, entertainment, all that sort of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. we have all those things. Obviously, Sydney had better beaches. You can't deny yeah. that. They've got the Harbour Bridge. Mm-hmm. You know, we've probably got a better live music type thing. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, you can get a, a good meal across the thing. So when you break it down, there's a lot of similarities. I think the tiebreaker probably, <laughs> for my mind, is Kid Leroy versus Tones and I. Mm, yeah, I see. Because what everything you mean. else is pretty even. We love yeah. Tones and I, particularly me and you. Love Tones and I here. She's from Melbourne. She's from Frankston. <laughs> um, the Kid Leroy, he's from Sydney. Mm. So I think that's where it comes down to. And it's a tough call. Um, but I think the Kid Leroy comes through. So you heard it here first <laughs> from a Melbourne resident, which is so hard for me to say. What's the best city in Australia? And it's definitely. Sydney, because they have the Kid Leroy. You know, in Melbourne, we prefer some sort of, I guess what, artisanal red wine reduction tomato sauce, Mm -hmm. whereas Sydney loves a master foods barbecue, being the Kid Leroy, and that's why they're the best. That's right. Squirted at you out of a passing taxi. Out of a taxi, yeah, exactly. Doing 75 in a 60 zone. They're terrible drivers up there. Mm. Also, I I can't help but notice that uh, in order to get famous... Or to get appreciated by her people, mm. Tones and I did have to go to um, Bondi to Correct. busk. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, she wasn't appreciated in Frankston, possibly due to a lack of uh, sort of a hydro setup. You know. <laughs> 
Kid Leroy and Tones. That's two strikes for New South Wales. So mm. there you go. Mm. Um, but look, so yeah, a couple more weeks of that. Anything yep. else to say about that? No, no please. Um, 21st of Feb, two more weeks of fucking Cold Heart, Elton John and Tulips. Mm-hmm. Um, get out of here. 7th of March, Heat Waves by Glass Animals. For Which we also already covered. Yep. 11 weeks total, five this year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. It's the all I want. For Christmas as you of sort of indie <laughs> pop, are they touring? Was this future? You know, is this a song that was yeah. in? A, was it in a movie? Not that I know of. Did no. it feature on an episode of Milf Manor? <laughs> Tom, did it? Perhaps. Oh, I can only bring it on. Absolutely. Bring on more shows based off uh, Thirty Rock Joe's premises from yep. ten years ago. Yeah, it? absolutely. So I think it's say... I think it's actually called Milf Mansion. Apologies <laughs> to Milf Mansion fans out there. On Thirty Rock was called Milf Island, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm hoping for a Beach Hunter starring Will Ferrell. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. No, that was the only explanation for that one, other than it being slightly better than those other songs, is that it was a crossover hit with uh, alternative charts as well. Oh, but yeah, there you go. All up, that makes for 13 weeks of ongoing songs from last year. We're a quarter of the way through the year. Yeah. Plus. Later this year, we've got 12 total weeks of returning old songs. Plus four weeks of cover songs, making this the first year we've ever had with a majority of old music. Jesus. Like with non-current music. It's halfway through April before we get any new new songs. songs. Like, yeah, it's fucking crazy. Um, It's the magic of streaming, Tom. You just never know what's (laughs) going to pop up. It could be anything. It could be... Heat yeah. waves from the glass That's animals right. could be something from far, far away, like that Bieber <laughs> song where he teams up with the kid Leroy. Mm. Could be anything at all. It's the, could be Elton John with a fucking remix <laughs> he did three weeks ago. The charts these days is like the climate these days. It's just getting increasingly difficult to predict. Yep. Even its un, even its predictability is hard to predict. You know when it just when they just go, hey, let's just listen to one song for three and a half months. Yeah, exactly. And it sucks. What about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Exactly. We're not getting sort of um, 24 consecutive weeks of Black Eyed Peas, which is certainly a positive. But that being said, when we do delve into the old songs, it would be nice if it wasn't just the same shit from last yeah. year, but maybe a few different yeah. things. But look, we're going to get awesome. to talk about that a little bit more later because there is a red herring thrown in this year there is yes um, perhaps you could say it's it. a weird year yeah absolutely all right all so right, here we are so. 11th of april first new song of the year it is as it was harry styles tom eight weeks two months ah uh, yeah absolutely it's uh look yeah uh two eight weeks was it yeah, yeah. Cool, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, here for a week and then it shows up a bit later. Yeah, again. they does that back. sort of thing. It's from, yeah, pop provocateur Harry Styles. <laughs> I say provocateur um, if being a straight white male who sometimes wears a dress and eyeshadow <laughs> in 2022 is considered a provocateur. But, you know, I guess if that's the case, maybe we have truly lost our way. Off brand mm. for me, Tom, but I do like this one. Yeah, it's not it's not terrible. I like yep. his I was a bit reminded of his first song which kind of has a retro yep. vibe which puts it apart from a lot of the just kind of factory pop that we listen to. It's uh, upbeat. It's mm. a bit playful and I think it the production is um a little bit outside the realm yeah. of what we usually hear exactly. from this. It's so, not your standard Max so Martin I think, type stuff. Yeah, exactly. But then maybe maybe that's it. Maybe it's sort of um yeah, the fact that they've just used a different synthesizer or something like that. But look, anyway, um, he's certainly the most interesting member of One Direction, Tom. But the bar is so, so low on that one. If I was to subsequently find out that Harry Styles was a mannequin 
that they'd CGI'd a face onto for music <laughs> videos and the vocals are provided by a random dude, Millie Vanilli Snail, he'd yeah. still be the most interesting, I think. Yeah, uh, well, this is the lead single from his third album, the annoyingly named Harry's House. But yeah, <laughs> Fucking per, hell. Per to what you're saying, after the press tour for Don't Worry Darling, which is the film he was in last year, mm. people accused Styles of being a bit of an incoherent himbo, uh, you know, bit of a bit thick, along with other things like banging his MILF director, cucking Jason Sudeikis, spitting on Chris Pine, etc. Uh, uh, personally, Pine? I think it's totally unfair that just because someone is born with good genes in the looks department, everyone assumes they're inarticulate and a bit thick. You know? yep. How would you feel if everyone assumed you were dumb just because you're the lead vocalist of up to 12 different projects? Yeah, that's true. And the drummer for Silverchip. Yeah, you know, it would exactly be unfair. right. It would I be mean, very unfair. I mean, hey, listen to Styles concisely explain this song, for instance. As It Was is about metamorphosis and perspective change and the whole thing of, like, when you have that, it's not something you have time with and people go, like, all right, we'll give you a couple more days with this moment and you get to say goodbye to your former self or whatever it is. Yep. And by the time you realise it's already gone, I think a big part of kind of evolution of what music you make as well is, like, it doesn't matter if people want you to be that thing that they always loved about you or they want you to be that person because you're not that person anymore. Everyone is changing and I think there's no reason to not approach music that way and kind of let it change and turn out differently than you started. You don't always get to realise something happens and you kind of look at it and be like, wow, and then you get to decide whether that is devastating or brilliant and accept the fact that it's probably both. Yeah. Harry Styles, devastating or brilliant, but probably both, would have been a better title than (laughs) Harry's House, I think, you know. Well, that's the thing. I mean, the title of the album is so bad, I just assume (laughs) that there's no creativity whatsoever in the actual content, but it shows that I'm wrong. What I like about that quote, Tom, is that he said something so (laughs) profound so succinctly, he really just sort of (laughs) nailed it in like one sentence, didn't he? Well, I have absolutely no idea what that means, but you know. What it means is, Tom, that it's... um, it's amazing and it can be brilliant <laughs> and it's great and he's an amazing artist. So, fantastic. Harry's house truly must be... Sounds like a children's album. It does, or it like does. That. And it doesn't help that he's frequently looked like, dressed like the presenter of a children's TV yeah, program yeah. that's a bit wacky. It would have had some great merchandise though, I guess. So, yeah. um, because he could have, you know, obviously T-shirts is okay, but he could have sold like... Um, like two bed apartments um, in Leeds or something as well, like yeah. as branded as Harry's house, and you can, you know, <laughs> if you've got an extra four hundred thousand pounds lying around, you can buy his house, get some slippers or something like that, you know. So mm. I think um, the his merch team will be working overtime on that. Yeah, uh, this reminded me a bit of Take on Me by Aha. Uh-huh. Probably why, I, probably why I enjoyed this. Yeah, yeah, I think for me it had the opposite effect because that just made me wish <laughs> I, I was listening to that because that, that's yeah. a way better song. Oh, it is a this is song. like this is just sort of synth tinged pop with a nice delicate chorus, but yeah. there's not much to it. No, really depth wise. I mean, similarly, the music video is a pleasant enough way to spend three minutes. Yep. But it doesn't leave much of an impression other than the one I always get from Harry Styles videos, e.g., that his stylist should be thrown out of a helicopter because <laughs> he spent a decade now trying to make. Earth's leading male pop heartthrob looked like Elton John in 1979. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the giant sequin duck costume and Louis XV hair sculpture. You know, see, I'm joking about that, but you can totally imagine him showing up on a red carpet with that, can't you? Like with white face paint, a gold lame frock coat and just a six foot periwig with a sailing ship on the top, you know. (laughs) 
and he'd still get laid. Don't get me wrong. It's just, no doubt. I can't help but feel for the guy. It is impossible to look cool, shirtless, in sparkly overalls, Ben. Yeah, yeah. At best, you look like a backup dancer in Deliverance the Musical. Correct. Which is not really the look that you want. I think my problem is he doesn't seem to go all in. He just sort of goes a bit half-hearted. No, you know he I mean? doesn't look completely comfortable in yep. his get-up. That's the thing. If he was really owning it and I thought it was his vibe, yep. that would be one thing. But to me, it just seems like he's got a very determined stylist who's got a very determined idea of what his image should be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, or he's he's found a coffee table book of David Bowie and he's just sort of flipped <laughs> yeah, through and went, oh, that's right. I might just do that. And yes. now I'm just like going... That would have been that would have been kind of edgy in nineteen seventy two. Yeah, in two thousand twenty two, exactly. it's not. So, and also just if you're trying to tread new ground, just because your music involves pastiching certain elements of older styles, doesn't mean your visual look has to match those styles of either. Yeah, you know, just exactly. Just because you're doing a bit of an Elton John thing in one song doesn't mean you have to dress like him. Yeah, you know, Elton John dressed that way because he knew he was a bit of an uggo, so he had to make a visual impact beyond his. Because his face wasn't doing it, so he, and yeah. also he knew he was mostly going to be sitting behind a piano as well, ditto. So you're going to have to work a bit harder if you're not for running sure. around the stage. And Elton, um, he did that at work for him, and um, Post Malone has done the same with the face <laughs> tattoos, as we learnt, where he said he doesn't think he looks very good, so I've just got ape shit on face tats. So. Yeah, good, good. It's worked for both of them, I think. Now, the video, you mentioned the video, Tom. It mm-hmm. was directed by the same person who did the little Nas X video last week. The oh, controversial okay. little Nas X video, as you recall, where, yeah, where little Nas X, yep, Satan with a lap dance yep. and, you know, doesn't... And, and look, I think, you know, quite controversial, talked about a lot, that video. And Tom, this one doesn't steer away from controversy either, <laughs> does it? Because Harry's wearing a, a series of red sequined outfits mm, and he's, wow. a, he's a bloke. So, <laughs> no, controversial. It's, it's, crazy. it's crazy. Completely <laughs> apeshit. And I can't believe he's doing it because the backlash he's going to receive from wearing sequins as a dude, <laughs> yeah. it's out of control. I don't, I don't know why he would subject himself to that. I know. It does, it does look a bit flaccid compared to Little Nas X's bizarre <laughs> <laughs> journey to Satan's strip club. Exactly. Yeah. The video's uh, choreography and staging are influenced by a 2018 performance art series titled La Grande Fantomes Fantomie Fantones and I Fantones <laughs> uh, created by Louise Narboni and Yuan Bourgeois which depicts dancers in search of ways to defy gravity against a classical music backdrop and he's about as French as you can get without actually featuring cartoon baguettes going <laughs> in the background but anyway, old Jan Bourgeois must have had a good time dicking around in an art gallery because he's used that same idea in at least two subsequent music videos. Uh, he's also the dude you may have seen doing that. He did that guy climbing upstairs and bouncing sideways and back up again on a trampoline performance, oh, yeah. which you might have seen on YouTube, and that's also been knocked off in another music video as well already. Oh, uh, so he's used it again. That, that same yep. routine has been... Clearly, we need to get French interpretive dance on board for the oh, Eurobeat well, revival, yes. being as it's going places, I think. Definitely, yeah. definitely. In this video, it seems to, as you say, mostly consist of a guy in embarrassing overalls running around in an art gallery sometimes running around on a wheel and sort of, you know, dancing with a with yep. cheek. But yeah. What what sort of um what point do you look at someone's body of work and say, um, 
you know, their use of the same motifs throughout that body of work yeah. represents their work? <laughs> or at what point do you say this person only has one idea, yes. they're, they're yeah. just reusing ad nauseum? Oh, God, so, man. Trust me, the fine arts down to the commercial arts world is rife with that question. It's still yet to be answered. Is yeah. yeah. How long could you get away with... You know, doing one friggin' thing and saying that's a style instead that's my of just style. That's one sort of, idea. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it probably works a bit better in actual feature-length films where you do have like say ninety minutes or two hours to work with, yes. so you can sort of use a similar like yeah. motif or something in that film, but that doesn't define the whole film. It's like <laughs> here's just something that's in there for oh. He likes to use nuns in a lot mm. of his films, but it, they might only be in 30 seconds here and a bit there or something. You know, it's a bit different. It's like, oh, these four videos look exactly yeah. the fucking same. Even that Guns N' Roses trilogy of things, they were all quite different. <laughs> That's <laughs> true, yes. No. Like, they were quite I, weird. But. I would say in the, their defence, maybe, and as we, there's, a, there's another song this year which also comes back to this point, but uh, people, the general public pays attention to interpretive dance on average about once per decade yeah exactly. so I guess if if you're suddenly in the limelight you'd just be like Jesus Christ I better keep doing that thing yep. <laughs> if I want, you know I gotta use this time wisely while I... yeah look I don't want to shit on anyone but I was watching something the other night um, on television with my, my children and my wife and some interpretive dance came on and my wife just said uh, this is why the arts gets a bad name and I felt <laughs> like I, I didn't agree with a or I didn't necessarily disagree with her. I was just sort of like, yeah, sometimes, you know, when you sort of like want to go and, and, you know, the Fringe Festival's on or something, mm-hmm. you want to go and engage with things and, you know, you might go and see, you know, some comedy or music or whatever the case may be and, you know, and then you'll see some interpretive dance and quite often you're just like, going, yeah, yeah, it's it can, <laughs> if it doesn't have a well designed sort of theme or something happening where you can go I can sort of see this it can just look like people doing flips off boxes and shit like that and being really crying and bullshit so (laughs) at least this has the song to attach to to, to detract from the other part as you say this is not terrible no it's just um, yeah I think the reason I said it's one of my favourites of this year is because um, there's some dog shit coming out oh absolutely for my mind at least this is I mean it's a returning artist but at least this is new original music played by Anything else to say about this? Oh, there must be some highlight uh, lyrics. lyrics. Uh, yeah, written by Styles plus producers Tyler Johnson and Kid Harpoon, who is another <laughs> Harpoon. another 1987 Nintendo character who's trying his hand at production. Uh, <laughs> answer the phone. Harry, you're no good alone. Why are you sitting at home on the floor? What kind of pills are you on? Ringing the bell and nobody's coming to help. Your daddy lives by himself. He just wants to know that you're well. Now, this sounds to me like someone coping badly with a breakup and referring to their own parents' divorce as a sort of comparison. I'm not sure if he's talking about his personal life. He and Olivia Wilde did announce they were breaking it off six months after this, but who knows? Maybe he's still coming to terms with leaving behind Zane. Yeah, yeah, And the other one, and the other one, and then there was that other one from One Direction, you know. Nile was one of them called Nile. <laughs> oh, done better than me. Can't remember the other ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. What do we got next then? Um, well, Tom. Up next we have 18th of April for two weeks. It is 
First Class mm. by Jack Harlow, Tom. Jack Harlow, a yes. white rapper who makes you long for the days of oh, snow. My God, yes. This uh, is his second Billboard number one, first on our mm. uh, number one list, after a song called Nail Tech and debuted at the top of the chart in America. First appearance here. So they love him go. in America. Oh, they do. Look, he started rapping when he was 12. Oh, okay. Um, he's 24 now, so I expected a lot better than this. <laughs> he's had a decade to work on his craft, mm, and this is pretty bland. Ugh. It sort of doesn't really do a lot no. for me. Um, look, I think, though, what's happened is, though, I'm shitting on this now, and it's easy for me to do that because um, it's not very good, but I think what's happened is that even Jack himself... Um, some of his, uh, maybe his minders, his managers, people that are mm-hmm. close to him and he's in a circle. I think what they've said to him, they've said, look, your rapping's not up to scratch. It's not up to par. I don't know whether this is going to play out long term. Have you considered pivoting into acting and particularly taking on the Woody Harlson role in a White Man Can't Jump reboot, yeah. which he has done. Um, something the film-going public has been crying out for for some time, I dare yes. say. Now, how many times have you been talking about the state of the film industry with someone, and we do it all the time, mm-hmm. and at the top of this episode you mentioned 10 sequels, whatever, and they've said to you, yeah, look, I'm tired of this fucking bullshit just you know Disney crap I'm tired mm. of the superhero stuff yep. I'm tired of so all derivative. that it's so derivative what we need is uh, white men can't jump rebooted with a D tier <laughs> rapper and yes. you just go yeah that's absolutely right yeah look uh, the original white men can't jump has a 65 on Metacritic but mm. a 7.2 out of 10 with viewers, which sort of reflects its status as a kind of half-serious crowd favourite that stumbled with critics, you know. Yep. Uh, the new version has a 40% rating with critics, but a 2.9 with viewers. Okay. Uh, one of them has added, Space Jam 2 was better, they should have put the pig from Looney Tunes in the movie because he's a better rapper than Jack Harlow. Fuck yeah, that uh, that's... <laughs> hit right in the guts yeah uh, how do you feel at the remake you know compared to the original oh look Tom um, I'm a big fan of Wesley Snipes Mm, me too so straight off the bat you've got a lot to compete with true I mean it's it's weird that a white rapper nobody had heard of two years ago and the guy who played Sir Lancelot in Once Upon a Time don't have more charisma than peak Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes. Yeah, I think. But the either way, you know, I'm looking forward to the reboot of Money Train, starring Hot <laughs> Carl and the guy from the old Spice commercials. You know, I'm Absolutely. sure they can do better than fucking Woody and. When Wesley you've got again. a film, White Men Can't Jump, um, where you know, let's face it, in terms of the storyline, it's like just some some dudes that are playing pickup basketball, betting yeah. with random dudes, and they're trying to. Do that. It's a hustle. They're pretending yeah. to be shit. A lot of the film is yeah. banter. It's, it's like exactly. personality it's, banter and they're sort of like, oh, talking. what's going to happen at the end of you can you know in the opening ten minutes you can sort of see how it's going to go. Things yeah. are going good, then they go bad, then they're going to go good, and yeah. you know everyone learns a lesson. They don't like each other. They'll end yeah. up liking each but other. But it's you're right. It's the banter. It's the the charisma of those characters. So when you do a reboot. You can't just get fucking anyone off the street, which is what they've done here. Clearly. They've got this guy, Jack Harlow, dog shit, and some other fucker I've never heard of before. Mm -hmm. No, you can't do that. You can't do that at all, and that's why people don't like this. The only positive I'll say Mm -hmm. is that Jack Harlow didn't tackle a cover of uh, the White Men Can't Jump theme (laughs) performed by Riff. 
Don't, don't you know me. that white man can't oh, okay. <laughs> It's fantastic. We didn't get a chance to discuss it in 1992 as it only hit number six on the charts in Australia, Tom. Mm. But it did go to number one in New Zealand. So perhaps we can franchise the podcast to different territories, which yeah. you know, is obviously our long-term goal, and then get someone over there on the New Zealand version of um, Sunglasses at Night to discuss uh, Riff and White Can't Men Can't Jump. Or, yeah, what would they... Do they rip New Zealand a rough... It'd be like a... It'd sound like a dog bark. Rough, rough white man can't jump. Something like that. So, sorry, I'm not shitting on New Zealand accents. I just want to try and get it as accurately as possible in case people in New Zealand are listening and going, Riff, I've never fucking heard of them before. So, look, raises a lot of questions. As you mentioned, Tom, most of them are, as you've already said, why has this been made? Why have they cast this guy in the film? That's right. Well, look, speaking of uh, other awesome other songs, mm. uh, this song samples both Fergie's hit Glamorous and also the massive chart block- blockbuster Single Screech from a Hawk from the album The Hollywood Edge Sound Effects Library Bracket 1990 Close Bracket. You know? <laughs> Personally, I prefer their earlier stuff, you know? I mean, it's not bad, but it's hard to say when you're a fan, you know, but deep down you know they'll probably never get back to the quality of shit like cutlery falling downstairs, <laughs> slide whistle bracket, erection going flaccid bracket, or wacky <laughs> boing XXXIV, you know? Yeah, look, if you're interpolating Fergie, you've fucked up, really, yeah. haven't you? I mean, that's... Well, I was going to say, my question is... Is this perhaps the first time in human history where a song using a Fergie sample is not as good as the Fergie original? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I dare say it it's, absolutely It's not is. a cover version, so it doesn't yeah. fall into it, but it's pretty fucking close. It uses an awful lot of that Fergie song oh, it does. with Look, some dog shit rapping well, over the The song. best thing about this, it goes for two and a half minutes. That's what That's I'll true. say as a yeah. positive. It's it very, very short. Black Eyed Peas you know, and Fergie, their songs were way longer, which is bullshit. Right. But yeah, you're right. That you know, in, you know, know, When you're interpolating Fergie and you're making an inferior song, it I mean, that's all we need to say. I don't have to say anything else yeah. about this. He does also, I mean, Glamorous, he does use uh, glam as an acronym in part of the song to describe uh, his yeah. lifestyle. He does a, a been a G, thrown up a L, sex in the E-M. I think that's the lyrics, mm. which is terrible. Now, G, um, obviously, I've been a G. Harlow describing himself as a gangster, although it does appear... He has the appearance of someone who looks like the most gangster thing they've ever done is illegally torrent some Japanese anime aimed at 14-year-old <laughs> girls. That's about as illegal as this guy looks like he's yeah. getting. L, uh, Harlow's hometown is uh, Louisville, Kentucky, okay. or Louisville. I never know how you pronounce this. The home things. of rap. Um, throwing up an L is a common uh, Louisville gesture. Louisville gesture mm. for L. Um, I dare it's say he's familiar with people throwing. Exactly. Sorry. He's very used to that being thrown up at him for either he's a fucking loser or this is lame Directly as fuck. Directly in front of the forum. Um, and AM. Um, Harlow likes to make love in the AM. And mm. by make love, I assume he means wank to Japanese anime aimed at 14 year old girls. Right. And he's just recently torrented. So. He may also be a fan of DJ AM. <laughs> He might be. R.I.P. R.I.P. Definitely. Yeah, I don't really know whether, uh, you know, <laughs> no, DJ that acronym, AM. Wow, that's quite something. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot going on. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> as N- and Nicole Richie's never really recovered from that, I don't think. No, think they were no, going, no, Although she did marry no. one of the um, the good Charlotte Few boys. Of so. Yeah, I mean, Look, it, yeah, hard to know whose music's going to stand the test of time. You know, DJ AM or, or Good Charlotte. So. <laughs> yeah, or this twat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The the video for the Fergie original Glamorous is appalling, obviously, <laughs> but at least it conveys the concept of the idea. Fergie is glamorous, yep. or whatever a hundred dollar a night teenage escort would imagine that looks like. The Jack Harlow one manages to make him look like a low end IT professional still rocking a diamond ear stud in 2022. Yeah. The only elements of the song with any lasting listenability are the Fergie bits. I can't believe I'm saying this, Ben, but I think the Fergie song is better than this song. Oh, it's, without it's, a doubt, it's, it's better than this. It goes yeah. without saying. I um, mean, it's got one idea, but at least it conveys that idea. I don't know what the fucking idea in this is, other than I'm supposed to like this dumb oh, look, I'll, I'll, I'll fill you in on that, Tom, in just a second. Um, Look, yeah, you're right. I'm not one to judge on people's appearance, but I feel like um, Jack Harlow fits a little bit into the Ed Sheeran category where um, maybe a stylist might help a little bit because he does look like dog shit. Yeah, he just looks boring. He just looks like a guy in it, you know. Exactly. Now, as you mentioned... um, Guy in a suit and tie. So you said this debuted at number one on the Hot 100 in the US. because Um, he had a previous big hit there. We've never heard of him. Yeah, he had a hit. Um, He he teamed up with uh, Lil Nas X on a song called Industry Baby, which went to number one um, in the Billboard charts in the US. uh, I think it reached the top ten or something in Australia, so he didn't get to talk about it. Um, that was pretty good as it featured little Nas X doing a nude dance routine in a prison shower, which was pretty fun. Oh, like okay. him sort of doing a choreographed <laughs> dance routine with like 10 other naked prisoners in a shower thing. So, mm-hmm. which was pretty fun. Um, Jack Harlow was clearly the weak link in that thing and really didn't need to be involved. When you're yeah. thinking to yourself, man, they really should have got Post Malone on this. Then you know that they've, they've made the wrong choice and that you've fucked up. Have so. you heard of a guy called Little Dicky? Oh, I have, yeah. Fucking hell. It it also didn't help my impression of this song that Jack Harlow looks quite a lot like Little Dicky. Who's released some of the worst music of the last decade. Yes, and also he has a TV show, the joke being that he's a kind of try-hard white rapper in it. Because at least Little Dicky might not be a particularly good rapper, but at least he recognises the inherent sort of questionableness of his own persona <laughs> whereas this guy just is just playing it dead straight it's just you know yeah. if you're looking for irony or any sense of humor in this then look keep looking because it's not here that i can see it yeah look oh, if i think though um i should probably focus on the positives rather than just talking negative all the mm-hmm. time um look at least he's rapping about something outside the norm of, of the genre mm-hmm. he's talking about how you know he didn't have much money he had very humble beginnings tom yep. But now he's reached the sort of the rap summit. He has mm-hmm. a shitload of cash. Um, he's able to live a lavish lifestyle by fi- bli- <laughs> flying first class, which isn't song first mm-hmm. class, buying heaps of shit for his friends and family and just being, you know, a general badass with heaps of money and how great he is. Mm-hmm. And I don't really think that's been tackled before in rap. So, no, so credit no, credit like Post Malone, he's really pushing the boundaries of what a fucking dorky looking white guy yeah. can say. Look, I think what we've learned from the track, and you asked what the point of this is, Tom, you mm-hmm. asked what the point of the song is. And that's a valid question, but I think... What the point is that um, he used to, Jack Harlow, he used to probably fly economy. Yeah. So whenever he'd fly somewhere, he'd, mm-hmm. he'd do that. He'd fly economy or maybe he had to catch a bus because yep. he didn't have the money. So, But now that he's had a feature on little Ness X mm-hmm. track, um, he can fly first class. Uh, so see. that's what the song's about. Uh, yes. He's able to fly first class. 
which is great. Now, well, he didn't go into the detail on the track, but I figure that if he's you know accumulated enough frequent flyer points mm-hmm. um, from previous travels, he can probably use those points. I don't know what frequent flyer program Jack Harlow has or you know who he usually flies with but I assume that if he's got enough points together mm-hmm. then he can upgrade to, to first class otherwise if he doesn't have enough points he might have to he probably just flies like premium economy or something like that where yeah. you know maybe you know you get to choose you don't have to pay extra to choose your seat and get a bit a bit of extra carry on luggage or something like that so um, but, but that's like I think that would be a longer song title if it was like, <laughs> I fly premium economy yes. unless I've got the points to upgrade yeah. to first class. So he doesn't really do that. Um, too many syllables. You can't really rap no. that. So he's just cut it down to first class. It might not even be true. I don't know whether he, he might fly business. Yeah. But that's what the point of the song is. Um, and yes. yeah, look, well, I, think, I think for him though, um, based on this output and his dog shit acting, he might want to consider downgrading because he's going to burn through money like that if he's flying first mm. class he's just going to eat all of his cash yeah. up and he's going to be fucked so he should definitely go back to yeah definitely yes. business premium economy or just regular economy yeah just pay the seven bucks for your seat but you're saving extra and then bring your own sandwich on <laughs> something like that and he's going to go a long way up think. Yeah, well, speaking of uh, lyrics-wise, speaking of transitioning into uh, you know a higher wealth bracket, uh, I can see the whole city from this balcony. Back in 2019, I was outside freely, but now they got it out for me, meaning you know the paparazzi are after him. Oh, yeah. I don't care what frat he was in, you can't alpha me, keep dreaming. Pineapple juice, I give her sweet, sweet semen. I mean, we've had word, uh, worse artists on here, Ben. It's hard to top William I Am for repeat <laughs> offences. But offhand, I can't remember someone that I wanted to punch very, very hard in the cock and balls than Jack Harlow. I think I'd rather listen to the Snowback catalogue on repeat for 24 hours than have this second-year accounting student borrow a quarter of the talent from the Black Eyed Peas to tell me about his favourite jizz flavours, Yeah, I think. You know, this, this, if there's something to offer in this song, other than, as you say, it being slightly shorter than some other songs, then I, I was not able to perceive it personally. I think when the best thing you can say about a song is that it's it's shorter than other <laughs> pop songs. And yes, you know. not as long as I was afraid it would last. So is, yeah. so. He's swallowing the cum. Is that what? Is that what? Oh, look! It's <laughs> not hard that it's to say. Just, I just I don't. What goes don't on at Friday night? I don't care. I'm just trying Jack to piece Harlow's together balcony, where, where this is. Where, where he's this in is first going. class. He's drinking a, a glass of something glutinous. Yeah. You know who's to say where it came from? And I think the main problem I have with this song is that is Tom that I, I imagine the scenario where you've got um, you know maybe husband and wife. They've been working their whole life they've reached retirement age you know mm-hmm. they've sort of they've been looking forward to this you know they're going on they've, they've never really traveled much before they're going to to europe they've saved up the money they've like they're both retired yeah 65 they're they're getting on that plane to fly over to europe for you know a, a vacation something they've been waiting their entire life saved up the money they do that they're like you know this is our big thing this is our big time to go and you know we can live a bit now we don't have to worry about work mm-hmm. you know we're, we've done the hard yards we can enjoy ourselves a bit um so they jump on that plane 
first class, they're sitting next to fucking Jack Harlow, <laughs> mm. and he's just ruined their entire yeah, shit. You know, that's right. Their whole that that's a long flight to get to Europe that's from right. Australia. But you're right? sitting on the wrong side. You're looking at his diamond. You're Jack the whole Harlow, way, yeah, and he's rapping at you. He's like going. That's right. First, he's doing that. He's like trying to tell you about how. You know, it's, and you, know you just know he's one of those guys that takes his shoes and his pants and his jacket off. You know, gets real comfortable. And you have to watch all of that happening. You know. Oh, he's he's ruined their he's ruined their life basically. <laughs> That's right. So yeah. and he's ruining mine. So well, yeah, let's move on quickly. Well, look, I, I, I dare I dare say we don't have to hear about him ever again. Hopefully, if there's well, any. We, although I said that about Post Malone and I was wrong. So look, we're about. halfway through the year. Already. Oh, he's got 26 million listeners on Spotify oh, okay. as well, by but, the way, which is completely oh, apeshit. Yeah, um, Harry Styles for those count 59 million. Sorry for fuck. mentioning that. Yeah, he's up there, isn't he? We know that. All right, great. Um, so up next, second of May, as it was Harry. Styles back again six more weeks bringing the total of seven boom 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 13th of June yep run myself through the hill here we go running up that hill bracket a deal with God end bracket Kate Bush yep nine Tom. weeks nine, nine weeks. weeks now the original 1985 release uh, first single from her fifth album Hounds of Love got to number six on the Aria charts at, on the time uh, hit number three in the UK and 30 in the US but this one did way better. Uh, this got to number three in the US and mm. number one in the UK, Australia, New Zealand, Sweden, Ireland, and a whole bunch of other countries. Between the two, between those two periods, she had 25 UK top 40 hits. Although in her home country, this was her first number one since Wuthering Heights in 1978. Wow. So that's a long way it's between a break. fucking hits. Yeah, what's that? That's 45 40, yeah. years. Uh, that was when she was just 19 and became the first female artist in the UK to have a number one with a self-written song. Wow. So, yeah, that's pretty impressive to me. At 19, I was mostly ghostwriting verses for Bruce Samazan's incipient rap career, you know, <laughs> which didn't take off quite the way we both hoped. Uh, the song was renewed in the popular consciousness 40 years later after Stranger Things Season 4 used the song several times throughout the run, including diegetically as a major plot point, e.g. it's actually playing in the show, it's part of the storyline and so forth. Mm. Absolutely. Look, there's a lot of negatives in the streaming era that we've talked about before. Mm. Usually... You know, payout rates for artists that you know they feel like they're getting a bit shortchanged. Yep. You know, we see a concentration of the way that the sort of they you know calculate these payouts. That there's a concentration of revenue to bigger artists at the expense of some smaller artists. Um, the algorithm may you know yeah. favor certain types of artists or certain types of music, so people are sort of getting you know left out, so to speak. Um, you know, playlists that people create strictly for financial purposes, shorter songs to maximise revenue, etc., etc. Mm. There's a lot of negatives. But one of the positives um, is is this sort of thing, where we can just get a song <laughs> yeah, uh, that comes out of nowhere that's, you know, what, yeah. close to 40 years old at this point. Good song. Mm. I like it. It's successful off the back of its use in a TV yeah. show. And this is something that when, you know, you the think about the streaming generation era, can appreciate a song they probably would never have heard exactly. otherwise. Yeah. And streaming, because when you open up that Spotify app, you can listen to, you know, any song that you... Not, you know, every song that's ever been written, but a vast majority of yeah, back catalogue music, you can jump on there and listen to it. So I would expect this sort of thing to happen a little bit more frequently, you mm. know what I mean? Like yeah. sort of something's used in a film, so. someone's touring... Oh, let's listen to that. It's used in, in these sorts of things. Yeah, but th this is sort of a bit of an anomaly, which is unfortunate because I would like to, when we do this podcast, to see just random songs pop up 
from from any old time. Yeah. So yeah, as you said, yeah, obviously this was um, the Stranger Things effect, I guess, which is obviously you know a big TV show. So um, yeah, I remember uh, in the uh, what was another show that was on The Last of Us. Yep. That was quite. I thought that was quite popular too, um, based uh, obviously off the video game. One of those early episodes of that show used uh, a top tier Depeche Mode song. Ah, nice. Um, Never <laughs> Let Me Down Again on the closing credits. Ah. Very good song. And I went, oh, I wonder if this is going to get a bit of a. So but then obviously not. it didn't. <laughs> yeah, but um, that's because obviously, you know, Stranger Things is a very popular yes. show over many years. It's so. also, it's kind of fitting because the whole show traffics very heavily in a sort of very. Um, manicured 80s nostalgia and yep. this song sort of perfectly fits into that but at least they picked a good song you know they mm. picked they didn't just pick bloody you know flock of seagulls or take on me or something there's some some obvious choice they picked something a bit more interesting for that yeah and a bit more amb- ambiguous too like it's not a it's not the sort of song which is it's not like a Zack Snyder film where he just he just does needle drops where, you know... For no if, reason. If someone's walking up a hill, they'll play running up that hill, you know, <laughs> or some shit like that. Although I bet you that probably does take place in this. But, yeah, he's, he's, he's a big... Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> a bit too literal. <laughs> a bit too literal. Very, very literal. Yeah. Uh, thus, anyway, yeah. So in September of 2022, Running Up That Hill was issued as a CD single for the first time. Oh, wow. With a CD single. Yeah, I know, it's kind of weird, you'd think it would have jumped that entire era, but yeah, and with its original vinyl single artwork and a B-side of Under the Ivy, the song ultimately sold over a million units in the UK just last year alone. Uh, by June of 2022, running up, the, no, by June of this year, sorry, like uh, 23, 2023, running up that hill reached a billion streams on Spotify. And Bush wrote a message on her website stating, I have an image of a river that suddenly floods and becomes many, many tributaries, a billion streams on their way to the sea. Each one of these streams is one of you. Thank you so much for sending this song on such an impossibly, impossibly long journey. I'm blown away. I mean, no mention of what her semen tastes like, but it's still, it's a nice sentiment, you know, that she's uh, still paying attention to. The, <laughs> yeah. Semen flavours, um, that's the big trend in pop music. Clearly, yes, it's the way to go. Yeah, exactly. Um, The video for this uh, features Bush performing an interpretive dance. It's back again. Oh, good. uh, With dancer Misha Herview. The video was directed by David Garfath while the dancing was choreographed by Diane Gray. At the time, Bush, who spent most of her first album advance on interpretive dance lessons, (laughs) said she felt music videos at the time so, you know, the 80s, used dancing in a very trivial, decontextualised way where editing sort of pulled apart all the dancing for the sake of visual impact. So she, for this one, they tried to make a fairly straightforward, linear piece of contemporary dance yep. and make it the star of the show. So the camera follows, the, so you get to see what the whole flow of what they're doing as opposed to sort of it being cut up. Okay. But yeah. Personally, I like their enormous Japanese pants. Oh, they yeah. look super comfortable and ideal for shoplifting. <laughs> yeah, I also like any video where the women have mullets and the men don't. You know? Yes. I think it's time for equal mullet representation, Ben. You know. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah. Agreed. Now, Tom, we see this in twenty twenty two. Kate Bush, Stranger Things, running up that hill gets yep. a bit of a reuse. 
Um, but we could have been talking about this a few episodes ago, Tom. Realistically, we possibly could have been. Because, well, how's that? Well, in 2006, Tom, um, the song was also used uh, in the OC <laughs> episode, The Avengers, where <laughs> Ryan, Summer and Seth, they're, they're dealing with life after the death of Marissa. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan is dealing with it the only way he knows how, Tom, through aggression, while Summer has left the OC to attend college where she meets up with uh, Shay an environmental group leader played by Chris Pratt, Tom, doing a bit of a Jack Black-style wacky comedy character. I mean, people tend to forget... Well, that's it. I mean, people sort of forget that before, you know, Chris Pratt had a kid with um, Anne Farris who suffered a cerebral hemorrhage during birth and the child ended up with a physical disability and then he awkwardly praised his new wife, Catherine Schwarzenegger, for giving birth to a healthy child, outraging people everywhere, that he was on the OC. People sort of forget that, that he (laughs) he did that. That's was slightly overshadowed by that. Absolutely. But, um, you know, he's done some great work on Jurassic Park and um, predicting now future president of the United States of America, I'm calling her right (laughs) now. So that's the Catherine Schwarzenegger Mm. slash uh, Kennedy family connection yep. I guess I'm calling that so we could have been told about this in 2006 yeah. but obviously it didn't have the same impact in the OC but no. then we could have also been talking about it because um, it was also in the Bones episode Judas on a Poulton <laughs> um, where after the disemboweled body of an FBI agent is found burnt and hanging from a roof Brennan and Booth find themselves deep in the middle of a dangerous conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Running up that hill, running <laughs> up that hill. So, didn't quite capture on there, but, you know, and then we could have been talking about it in 2007, Tom, in CSI Crime Scene Investigation episode A la carte, where the CSI team investigate two unusual cases, Tom, mm-hmm. one involving the suspicious death of a go-kart racer <laughs> and the other a murder at a hip new restaurant where patrons dine in the dark. Mm. Running up that hill, it didn't happen. But you know, 2009, we could have talked about it back then as well, Tom. In one of your favourites, the Vampire Diaries pilot, <laughs> where after the death of their parents, teens Elena and Jeremy do their best to keep on going. Elena has trouble concealing her grief, while Jeremy risks everything as he dabbles in drug use. Mm. The new student Stefan arrives, and Elena realizes that she's drawn to him, but does not know about his strange origins. Mm. Running up that hill. <laughs> what about 2011, Tom? NCIS Los Angeles episode Empty Quiver. Suspicious of an undercover venture involving a deal between corrupt cops and military personnel, Callan and Sam try to expose the illegal operation by posing as California Highway Patrol Officers. Mm. And you're a fan mm. of uh, Warehouse 13, aren't you, Tom, from 2011? Sure. Tiny self-replicating robotic spies called Nanites <laughs> are d- discovered in a warehouse. <laughs> Claudia suspects Sky has planted them to hack into a file named Atlas 66. <laughs> Running up that hill. <laughs> Running up 13. that gun. Vanity Fair 2018. <laughs> Becky Sharp continues her attempts to escape her poverty and climbs the heights of English society this time by finding a new use for old friends putting up that <laughs> 2019 how to get away with murder Nate and Annalise both need to keep Gabrielle close to ensure mm. their secrets stay hidden Big Little Lies, The Big Mother, 2019. As Celeste is blindsided by Mary Louise, Gordon continues to disappoint Retina. Uh, sorry, Renata. Bonnie contemplates a solution to her mother's suffering and her own guilt while Ed entertains an unusual proposition before catching Madeline in an unguarded moment. 
running up that hill. <laughs> um, and then, of course, Stranger Things from 2022. Look, if I had to guess, I would say that the reason the Stranger Things ones works better is because they actually used it as a diegetic plot point part of the show. Yep. And they actually thought they used it thoughtfully, whereas I would be willing to bet that in most of those uses in the show, it was used the way that unimaginative uh, you know, sound designers use music in most B-tier TV shows, which is either under a pre-credits montage where, you know, we yeah. try to summarise the rest of the show by doing some lazy cutting between different things, or just over the end credits where you only hear five seconds of the song anyway. Yeah. Like, the, the Sopranos had some great music in the end credits, but nobody remembers that because, you know, you're already clicking on the next button or in yeah, my exactly. case ejecting the VHS tape <laughs> <laughs> I mean the Watchmen had an amazing soundtrack like a completely original like two hours of music by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross yeah. but because it's just background music yeah it's not it's not quite as memorable not not memorable enough to push it to the top of the charts all over the world anyway yeah absolutely right but I mean and also I think one of the reasons that Kate Bush's music does keep getting used is because it, it does have a sort of cinematic quality. Yeah, to absolutely. It. I and agree. Back in the 80s, like maybe because she was still a teenager when she started out, she was one of the earliest artists to come on board to the idea that for a serious pop artist, music video presentation was now as important as the music itself. Correct, yeah. At least in terms of establishing an artistic identity. Dave Gilmore of Pink Floyd, who was her early mentor, said that he thought her lack of success in the US compared to the UK was due to the fact that they didn't know how to showcase the visual side of her music. Yep. Like this video, for instance, didn't get MTV play because they still preferred videos where the people were visually singing the song. Yeah, okay. Unless they were black, in which case they preferred them not to be on there <laughs> at all. <laughs> not put them on yeah. there, yep. And when you look at something like the 1978 Wuthering Heights video, e.g. a teenage theatre student dancing around Salisbury Plain like yep. a fucking weird praying mantis, it's a lot weirder than what they were going to show on TV in the US at the time where they thought, you know, the new Duran Duran song was pretty out there, you know. Because <laughs> they're on a yacht. Wow, boys! You know. Simon Glow in Le the dark zinc cream. What the <laughs> fuck is this? I don't Simon understand. Simon Le Bon's wearing a bandana. <laughs> right. He's out of control. Yeah, the heydays of, you know, jumping in my car yeah. by Billy Ocean were a long way off. Yeah, exactly. So, look... Um, yeah, that, that's that's a fair point, Tom. I guess for those sort of people uh, of a younger generation that are unfamiliar with, with Kate Bush, um, she's probably best known and most famous for being married to Stan Bush, um, who, who sung The Touch from Transformers the movie. Um, that's, that's her husband. Not the bullshit with Shia LaBeouf and Megan Fox getting sprayed with a hose for no reason every three scenes. Right. The original... Uh, Transformers right. 1 where um, spoiler alert Optimus Prime mm. dies um, sorry for ruining it but you've had 40 years to watch it at and this point the, so. our, their children would later go on to transform the grunge scene yeah exactly uh, in the band, the band bush, bush for sure <laughs> um, so they've taken on because yeah like she, Kate Bush she's taken on the last name Bush of the, of the band that her kids are on you mm. know how dudes from hardcore bands do that like Rick to Life from 25 to Life or Jamie Jaster <laughs> Mm. Um, from Hatebreed who from used Ramones. to be in a band <laughs> yeah the Ramones sure. exactly so that's what they've that done there guy from so, the band about vampires who's <laughs> called Dave, Dave Vampire or whatever <laughs> Gary Vampire Gary yeah Vampire, exactly yeah. yeah for sure so they've done that so she's done the same thing there but look as you said yeah um, she's had a 
very interesting career. Um, yeah, that, that was quite interesting to learn that um, 1979, was it? She was the first female artist to, to have written her own song. 78, yep, yes. Yep. So first UK number one female yep. artist that wrote her own um, song. And yeah. since, I think, uh, 1982, her album, The Dreaming, she's also produced all of her own albums. Yeah. So that's pretty amazing. She really written, writes all her own songs. Yeah. She was a trailblazer. Produces all her own songs. Yeah. Does, basically, she does everything herself. So it doesn't need any she outside also, assistance. Pretty amazing. She um, also kind of set the template, I feel, a bit for like the sort of arty weirdo female outsider that would cut like it's hard to imagine someone like Tori Amos or yeah, yeah. Fiona Apple would exist without Kate Bush you know kind of yeah, well I yeah. think whenever you sort of yeah like Tori Amos particularly you're right you sort of I, I've certainly heard yeah like artists like that talk about how you know Kate Bush was yeah. such a sort of a little bit out you know still doing I guess well I wouldn't maybe not quite pop music but yeah like sort of popish yeah. music but on an outsider sort of like she wasn't level. and she wasn't like didactically Arty, no. feminist but she had she was feminist in the sense of doing her own shit you know like yeah you know yeah being yeah producing and writing her own stuff and yeah and uh also interestingly i think for something that is completely i find completely wild is that um in terms of as you mentioned like sort of in in the u.s she sort of didn't have as much um, success, I guess, probably due to them not knowing exactly how to sort of market the music videos. Yeah, or MTV was not quite different. Then, anyway. But also, um, she only did one tour in 1979. Oh, really? She never played live oh. after that. So she she did that 1979 um, huh. and did one short tour I think of just the UK or Europe um, never performed in the US and then out she did a couple of charity shows throughout yeah. the 80s where fucking I'm yeah. sure just every fucking particularly you know old That's mate weird. Bob Geldof just knocked on yeah. the door and said you got to get so she did a couple of like she seems like such a theatrical person yeah. it's strange to yeah. you would think she would enjoy it Maybe so she'd she, get up yeah. on stage and do a song for like you know Band Aid yeah. or some shit like that um, but yeah from 1979 she didn't perform again until 2014 wow so in 2014 she did a 22 show run um and that's it. That's all she's ever done. She's wow. done two tours in her life. I so, did not know yeah, amazing. Well, there you go. Yeah, that's true. It's going to be hard to take on the world if you're not willing to show up. Yeah, person, so obviously, maybe it's sort of one of those things where it's just like, um, maybe she didn't enjoy performing live, or maybe it was just like she prefers that sort of the creative component of... True. Writing Some the music, people... producing it. And because she's done everything herself, yeah. she probably gets all the money off the sale. Oh, yeah, so yes. maybe touring is not so essential. Sure whereas if fine. you're an artist where you've got other people writing your songs, yeah. you probably need that tour, well, tour money. It to seems like they've swapped a bit. Like back in the days, people used to tour more to promote the record. Yeah. Whereas now they seem to sell the records to promote the tour. Absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. make I, way more money off I remember that. reading, some, I think it was like even something like Guns N' Roses or something like, oh, we're doing these tours because we do the shows and that gets people to go out and buy the records, yeah. which is what we want. That's <laughs> say you sell 30 million albums whereas these days it's like right. oh got to go in the studio and pump something out this is a promotional <laughs> tour to get people to come to yeah. my shows so it's sort of also I mean we've talked a few about a few artists before where they just hate the touring lifestyle or they possibly including they hate talking to the, the, the constant interviews and press shtick that goes along with it you know some people just yeah that just I think can't handle it they just absolutely yeah I mean you sort of 
it's it sounds sort of glamorous, but then you do read about the life of the touring musician, and people are like, yeah, you know, we fly to this place, we you know load the shit in, we go, we play the show, we pack it up, we come out at yep. one a.m. We gotta get to the next city, so we either sleep where we are and then you know mm-hmm. get up and go the next morning, or we oh we decide yep. to drive tonight, <laughs> stay in some hotel, repeat the whole process, and then between that, I'm going in and you know speaking to some cunt in Austria who's like oh tell me about yeah. the new album and it's like I've answered you know I've answered this same shit a thousand times it, kind so. of, it still kind of amazes me that Hollywood actors who get paid 20 million dollars a movie still have to spend six months going around the world talking to fucking Koshy on the morning God, show they have to be in the contract the, same <laughs> the contract must be in the thing it must be in the contract I would have thought the first thing you would do when you get that rich is putting in your contract I'm no not press. doing I'm not doing any show. press yeah, you know, exactly. or I'll go on Dave Letterman but I'm not going to go on the Wagga Wagga morning zoo crew but to talk I, about what, Barbie what I don't understand is though it probably has something to do with the, the sort of you know talentless hacks they have on these morning programs in Australia <laughs> and across the world is yeah. that why doesn't the person that's doing the interview think just just take five minutes out of think I'm going to try and ask them yeah. something they haven't been up because when it's just like what was it like working with you yeah. know Steven Spielberg it's like every fucking person oh, smart that. guys do it I mean like I've heard Tony Martin and Clive James both said like it's kind of fun with those people because it, then it becomes a challenge of like all right can I come up with something that they haven't oh, heard 500 course. times yeah, already, exactly. you know, because that's, but yeah, I mean, still. I think it, it happens just way too frequently with almost so many interviews that I listen to people across music and movies. It's just like, what, why are you asking them this? Like, it's, 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 sort of, it's in yeah. the public domain. You could Google, <laughs> you know, like your interview, it's just like, what is so-and-so's yeah. favorite album? That'll be like, oh, they've mentioned, you know, so it's like, Tell me about your favourite, you know, it's just like, why don't you try and... You, you know that Hot Ones show where they eat the hot yeah. wings? People often compliment that guy on his interview skills. It's like, oh, he's just gone on Wikipedia, but he's gone, he's scrolled further than one page. Yeah, That's exactly. all. He's just gone back <laughs> exactly. to something that happened earlier than six fucking months ago and he's yeah. asking you about that. And exactly. then well, that's the problem. blows their mind. Like, like, oh, going, oh, how something. did you know about that? It's, oh, it's freely available on the it's internet. It's freely available. It's just I've, take, I've I spent just had more to than give a shit. 10 <laughs> seconds about looking it up. So, yeah, exactly right. I always think the best, the best question, um, and I don't know whether when Taylor Swift comes to Australia, Tom... Will we be able to get a press pass off the back of this oh, podcast? I think so, so, yeah. Because I always think the best question you can sort of ask touring musicians that have travelled all over the world, um, you know, and, and it's particularly someone like Taylor who's mm-hmm. gone from, you know, starting off as a sort of country artist and probably performing small towns, mm-hmm. you know, maybe sort of pubs and sort of those sort of live music venues, you know, acoustic guitar, singer-songwriter stuff, and then moving up into sort of maybe bigger venues and then, you know, mm-hmm. you're playing... You know, more like sort of a thousand seat things all across the world. Then maybe yep. five. Now she's playing her in, so she's done the whole spectrum. So it'd just be sort of really interesting, I think, to sort of when you have someone that's done that across such a long period of time, yep. all over the world, in you know all types of different arenas and performing the music to sort of you know just sort of ask her you know where the gnarliest place she's ever had to take a dump is. Yeah, I mean that's a, that's the sort of question that's that I right. think. Has she ever been asked that before? <laughs> because as a touring musician, there must be some real bad places. There must so. be, yeah. You know, 
you just don't care how big you are. Sometimes you're just going to have to pull that tool bus over the side of the road in the middle of the night. Exactly know. right. Yeah. Exactly. I was I was going to ask her about her craziest piece of road strange. That was going to be my question. But, you <laughs> There's know, so many questions. Probably the answer. Princess Theatre in Launceston, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. no doubt. Um, <laughs> speaking, speaking of that, uh, <laughs> lyrics for Bush... Uh, Kate said, Kate Bush said that this song was about the frustration of a couple's inability to communicate. So she envisages that they make a deal with God to exchange places and thus be able to understand each other, you know. I was going to ask if you would be willing to swap places with Kate Bush, Ben, uh, and what if you weren't allowed to get a haircut, though? Oh, look, I'd, I'd probably swap places with Kate Bush, I think. Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah, definitely. Just so I could get closer to Stan Bush. That's true. Um, the guy who did the touch. Yeah, definitely. And, and perform with Bush. But That's right. I think so. Yeah, definitely. I think it'd be interesting to sort of, you know, work a, <laughs> walk a day in her shoes sort of thing and mm. just sort of, um, you know, hang out and see what it's like <laughs> to sort of be a, a musician. But the problem is that because she's not a touring musician, I don't get the extra That's benefit true. of like, yeah. you know, oh, I'd be great you know trade place with Kate Bush get to travel around a bit and see a bit of the world and um, yeah mm. sort of answer that gnarliest take, place you, to take a dump question I guess you know I could see that in person but yeah look yeah pro- you get to have a mullet again yeah you know, would get to do that dream. would get to do that so yeah probably probably yes I think the answer is definitely <laughs> sure. yes definitely yes yeah uh, you don't want to hurt me but see how deep the bullet lies unaware I'm tearing you asunder Oh, there is thunder in our hearts. Is there so much hate for the ones we love? Oh, tell me we both matter, don't we? Mm. Uh, I believe this was the verse that inspired the 1986 song Thunder in Your Heart by John, <laughs> by Farnham, John Farnham from the soundtrack to the movie Rad. So, <laughs> Correct. you know, we can thank her for that one as well. Absolutely. One of my favourites. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every All right. movie's like lightning. Um, 11 million listeners, Kate Bush. Oh, has. yeah. Some I wonder too- how many of them... Appeared in the last year. Yeah, you know, probably how, a lot. chunk of that. Definitely, yeah. I think her. I think her dedicated fans would probably be. Hey, she's got a giant back catalog. Like we were saying, this is from 1985, and that was from her fifth album. Yep. So she already had five albums out by that. Oh, it's, you know, yeah, if it gets people to dig up through her old stuff, then good for it. It made me go back and listen to a couple of her. Yeah, albums. look, I think that. Um, and also. The generation of people that are, you know, probably her biggest fans, I think, the older generation, they've probably just still got the CDs, Tom. They want to listen to Kate Bush, they throw the CD in the old true. player. So she's not getting any streaming revenue off that. So the fact she's got 11 mil, I think you're right. I think if we had a look at those numbers pre-Stranger <laughs> Things and post, Isn't she'd it, definitely have more people. It's a bit weird that they put this onto a CD in 2022. Yeah, like, great. I mean, I'm going I'm to buy it. It just, it, yeah, it's <laughs> just a bit weird. It's like, because... Presuming they were thinking, oh well, in a new generation, of people are going to want to listen to this, but they don't buy CDs. They're not the what the, the yeah anyway. Yeah, right, let's uh, maybe let's move on. Who knows whether in the I didn't see the Stranger Things episode. Um, maybe she maybe the kid put a CD in the player. Oh, it's that's so much of an eighties pastiche. I'm sure it would have been, like, been a cassette in one of those original Walkmans with the orange headphones and shit. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. I hope so. Because that whole thing is just an eighties fantasia. <laughs> I'm a little, little bit frustrated with that show. It, it apparently the original idea by the guys who created it was that each season would feature a different 
group of characters. Oh, so it was meant to be like an anthology type yes. thing-ish, kind yeah. of? Per, yeah. yeah, well, per season. But then, of course, the usual Got thing happened. Popular. The first one was popular, so then they keep bringing the kids back. The only problem being is they're not fucking kids anymore because they age between Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So now you've got, you know, 20-year-olds playing 12-year-olds and so on. So the CD single, Tom, you can pick it up on Discogs for $21.70. Oh, yeah. Is the cheapest That's one. That's how much so. they cost these days. So I haven't been doing the Discogs thing the last few weeks because I found that when I was doing the research that a lot of the things didn't oh, exist. Oh, running out. There's yeah, no, no. There's just no sense. physical copies of a lot of the stuff sense. or the, or there'll be like two promo CDs so they're like a hundred bucks and it's like, well, that doesn't really represent the actual I mean, if you, were, if you were serious about Kate Bush anyway with this, you'd go back and try and find a vinyl copy, wouldn't you? Oh, you'd like pick up seven inch. Yeah, exactly. You would do that. So that's good. All right. Um, what do we got next? Up next, it? Tom, is uh, 27th of June for one week. It's Joji Glimpses of Us. Sure is. Or is it? Is it Glimpses or Glimpse of Us? Oh, sorry. Glimpse of Us. Sorry, it's a hard word to remember. Now, Tom, the dude that helped popularize the Harlem Shake has <laughs> given up on short-form comedy videos mm. to focus entirely on music <laughs> and has reached the coveted number one spot with this fucking snooze yes. fest. So, what's the story with Joji, a.k.a. George Kusunoki Miller, a.k.a. Filthy Frank, a.k.a. Pink Guy? Well, we talked about him a few episodes ago when um, the Harlem Shake was popular. Yes. He he is one of the people that did the Harlem Shake short yes. video. Did a Had video. Nothing to do with the song. Nothing to, nothing do, to do with the original dance, the Harlem no. Shake. But he just filmed himself yep, doing dicking it. around in a hotel room with his mates. And he that, had enough followers on YouTube at that point, I yes, guess, that it went that viral. Started, kind of? Yes, copying that and just mucking around to that. Uh, and that yeah. helped take the song further and ev- eventually pushed it to number one. Yes. I think was it, did we talk about that was the first number one song or something that got there? You know, off the or uh, or YouTube streams or something or something helped push it further than yes. what, anyway so it went viral so he helped get that song viral then he he is all of a sudden just said mm. I'm out on short form comedy videos <laughs> I'm just going to do music now so yeah. that's so he's retired from that world yes. now and he's doing yeah. this so this so is his third, first single from his third album so yeah. he's he's been doing it for a while like he's done a few albums yeah but yeah uh, following its release uh, this broke a series of records this song it became the first song by an Asian artist to hit number one on Spotify's global chart, being mm. there for 10 consecutive days. With the song's debut in 10th place on the Billboard Hot 100, it became the second song by a Japanese artist to reach the top 10 after Kaiyu Sakamoto's Sukiyaki in 1963. Fucking hell. And the second <laughs> number one what? by a Japanese artist since then. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I mean, we had... We had, what was it a little while ago, the fucking Slizzard song. Um, that was the first song by an Asian group oh. to be at the top of the Billboard charts ever. Oh. I think that one. Uh, Far East Movement. G6. G6. Like G6. That's it. Uh, it, was, it wasn't that song. It was uh, another one another by one. them. Good. Was it? Yeah. Did the Far East Movement have another song? They probably are sure they do. <laughs> Fuck no, no, maybe it was that one. Like a G. Yeah. Anyway, that yeah, yeah. Sorry, I talked about it in the the wrap up. Yeah, I think that was the first one. So this must be a solo artist, but yep. that's so that's a pretty long cap. Nineteen sixty three to two thousand twenty two. Twenty two. Sixty yeah. years. Have you heard Sukiyaki? 
Oh, Jesus. I, I don't know if you, I have. You definitely have. <laughs> it's the most karaoke core song I've ever heard. I think if you play it by accident on YouTube, your front door is immediately kicked in by seven shit-faced Yakuza gangsters <laughs> who okay. won't leave until they've all sung it three times each and forced you to get a sketchy back tattoo, <laughs> pick up some beers from downstairs. Yeah. Look, um, the thing about Joji is that his dad's Australian. So that oh, might okay. that might help explain this. Oh, okay, bit. so he's half know. Western, half Japanese. I think he, I think of. he's I think his mother is Japanese and yep. his father is Australian. So I'm not sure whether this is more popular here off the back of his Australian connection. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, don't I see know. what you mean. I'm not or sure vice versa. whether or was this. A, do you know whether this was an international number? I didn't look into that. Whether it yeah, was also, no. Yeah, or, well, okay, like I said, I mean it's. Uh, yeah, it's the second song by a Japanese artist to get in the top ten on the Billboard Hot. Oh, okay. so it's, cool, at least cool. in America yeah. they like him. Definitely. And I assume from his YouTube success that he has a large following in Japan. Oh, no doubt that stuff. Maybe he's parlayed some of that YouTube success into oh, I'll do music to yeah, support come and to my yeah. stuff. So, I mean, um, the thing is though that um, this is pretty boring. Well, weirdly enough, for a part. Of, Australian Japanese YouTube personality with a previous history of prank videos and half-assed viral shenanigans. Yep. This is a low-key, downbeat, straightforward ballad. Yep. Dare I say it, a piano ballad, Ben, your favourite genre <laughs> yeah, of all time. It doesn't even have a lot of auto-tune or weird production flourishes or nods towards modish genres currently doing the rounds, such as yep. UK funky, ho-wop or Eurodance. <laughs> I mean, the only thing that really that has that separates it from just a piano ballad to me is this sort of weird voice effect yes you know yeah, i couldn't yeah. figure out what it reminds me of but it has a there's, there's some it, effect on the vocals yeah, correct yeah what really sets this apart for me is that the video is kind of awesome if completely oh, yeah. antisocial and gross <laughs> the director a 28 year old californian dan street started with 15 hours of footage shot on a Sony mini-DV across multiple states, mostly by his team filming various groups of reprobates and some by people where they would just hand out cameras to, like, street gangs and stuff and say, film something and send it back to us. But they said most of it was either terrible or so disgusting that we couldn't use it. So most of it was our stuff. And then cut that 15 hours into sort of four hypnotic minutes. Uh, The juxtaposition between the sort of unadorned piano ballad of this music and images of wild public urination, police harassment, derelict living, reckless <laughs> city mm. biking and high speed car drifting is weirdly effective. I thought that sort of, you know, the contrast between the two. Yeah. And there are recurring elements in the video, which were deliberate. Some of which were accidents, but some are clearly deliberate, like the outfits that some of them wear, which they lent to the different people to, to wear to sort of give it consistency. And there were a few stage bits, like there's a burning car in one part, which they apparently did, but apparently most of it's real. And there's also a recurring square symbol throughout the video, which Street has refused to explain. Uh, Joji doesn't know what it is either. He seems to have just given the director free reign, like with uh, layering, layering in some audio from the videos under the song mm. for the clip. And sometimes when you do that, you get a really unique product, you know. I mean, personally, I'm more of a Wuthering Heights man, but, yeah, what did you think about this? Did you like the video for this? Oh, the video was the best part, yeah. It's I did like certainly more interesting than the song. Yeah, that, yeah. No, the video, sure. yeah, for sure. I think if you'd taken that video, which, as you said, yeah, I think it's quite a good video, and I think if Joji had have sort of 
obviously, as you said, he had his sort of origins um, in that sort of YouTube sort yeah. of vibe. So prank I think videos. what what it, yeah prank videos. I think what he should have done musically is sort of taken some cues from from some of his contemporaries. I'm talking you, Jake Paul, um, <laughs> and done a Jake Paul style rap. Mm. Um, Everyday Bro, um, one of the finest songs that's ever been written or recorded. I think if Joji had gone in that sort of yeah. rap territory, yeah. put that with this video, yeah. I would have been enjoying and it. And maybe more. drop that in a suicide forest. You yeah, know? <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> with some actual dead corpses hanging in the background. For sure, yeah. I think that would have been red hot. But um, certainly, yeah, good video, terrible yeah. song. I think. If I'm in, if I'm trying to look for eggs in the IGA and this song comes on, I'll probably just leave. But if I if if I was watching Rage and it came on, I would watch the video. Yeah, but you wouldn't I'm, like grab a frozen um, chicken and smash the clerk in the face the way you would if, say, Jack Harlow came on. No, you no, just I, I would probably inconsolable fury. I'd probably put headphones in and listen to another song <laughs> yes. while watching the video. Sure. So I think I'd probably do that. Yeah. So. Uh, in our sunglasses at night exclusive, yeah. we can reveal that the square design featured in the film, uh, thanks to some digging done by various nerds on the internet, is the alchemical symbol for piss. Oh. So, yeah, bad luck wow. if you've got that tattooed on you like the guy in the video does. Goodness <laughs> me. Yeah, that's true. That's rough. <laughs> One of the many up. sketchy things that happens in that video. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, Glimpse of Us, um, as you mentioned, yeah, First top 10 on the Hot 100 mm. for him. Thanks uh, largely, I think, in part to its popularity on TikTok. This is something yeah. that got sort of a bit of bit of a play on TikTok. Yeah. Uh, because what happened was, I think he uploaded like a part of the song to TikTok or went on TikTok. Yep. Then creators used the song as a soundtrack to boyfriend-girlfriend themed videos. Oh, okay. So yeah. every time there's a boyfriend-girlfriend themed video on TikTok, they'd use this. So I could see now, that. The, the video too seems like it was designed to be cut up into yeah. snippets. Like you could take ten seconds of any Correct. part of the video exactly. if you wanted it. Now there are thirty-four million new TikTok videos posted uh, every day, Fuck Tom. Me. Which equates to twelve billion new videos every year. <laughs> um, Nothing. You but think solid about ninety percent of those are just cringy as fuck, like boyfriend, girlfriend, Joji. Ninety percent is being highly <laughs> charitable. Ninety-nine percent are just just awfully embarrassing <laughs> shit. So, um, but don't worry. I'm sure the Chinese government will not use those videos to sort no. of blackmail you at some time. I'm in sure the their future, motives so. are pure. Absolutely right. Anything else to say about this? What uh, about the lyrics? lyrics? Yeah, uh, this was written by Joji. Ida Rose, Castle, Riley McDonough, and producer Connor McDonough. Connor McDonough. I know. Good. <laughs> sounds, Good. Definitely sounds like a UFC fighter. <laughs> Connor McDonough. She'd take the world off my shoulders if it was ever hard to move. She'd turn the rain to a rainbow when I was living in the blue. Why then, if she's so perfect, do I still wish that it was you? Perfect don't mean that it's working, so what can I do? Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you look at the lyrics to this, it's very much just a sort of maudlin ballad about pining for a lost love, you know. What saves it is the contrast between the creepy, ethereal production and the crazy-ass video. Otherwise, if you just took the, the simple melody and the live vocals, like Celine Dion could cover this. I mean, yeah. truly. Like, it's, oh, just absolutely. A, it's just a love song about, you know. But it's not offensively bad. Like those lyrics, you know, they don't blow your head off, but they're not terrible either. 
doesn't mention what flavour his semen is. You no, know, so that's, 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 that's a plus. Exactly something you shouldn't. Yeah, for sure. Um, Joji's got twenty three million Fucking Spotify hell. listeners, that's so he's doing bad. quite well. I Every, wonder how much of it, like you say, if that is due to his initial. Like his TikTok fandom and his initial fan base coming to his music as opposed to actual people who like the Look, music. Tom, um, look, I went to Sydney recently, saw that Kid Leroy um, <laughs> That thing. really changed your so life, didn't it? So I'm, I'm going to Japan pretty soon. I'll keep mm. my eyes peeled for Joji yes. uh, murals around. I'll just ask some random Japanese people as That's well. That's right. So Joji, around the water cooler. <laughs> exactly. What do you think about that Joji? They'll be like, love him, love him, love fantastic. Him. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, look, the Japanese do have um, a, a big, you know, music in Japan. It's huge, you know. They're still yeah. very, very, very much a sort of, I think compared industry. to Spotify, a bit more of a physical media still yeah. type thing. So I think Spotify is obviously very popular now, but I think they still probably hold on to the physical media a little bit mm. more than other places. So I'll peruse a few shops, Tom. I'll go into, I'll go into mm. the Tower Records I'll go into the other places that have shut down everywhere in the world except for Japan and I'll see what, you know, if I can find... You know, there might be a life-size Joji, you know, cardboard cutout. I'll, I'll try sure. and gauge yep. just how popular I think he is over there. So I'll let you know. But yeah, certainly he's, um, he's doing all right. 23 mil. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. What's we got next? Uh, running up that hill for another few weeks and then after that, uh, as it was by Harry Styles. You get a lot of repeats. Yep. Fucking repeat, yep. repeat, repeat. 29th of August. Here we are. Blackpink, Tom, mm-hmm. with Pink Venom one for week. one week. Yep. Now, pop music is a business. Sure fucking is. Record labels do not exist for altruistic purposes. No. They're looking to sign artists that can generate a return on investment. Mm-hmm. Correct. Uh, K-pop takes that idea that pop music is a business and ratchets that up to its logical conclusions, <laughs> sure I does. dare say. As do the J-pop as well, speaking of the Japanese pop Absolutely. industry. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's purportedly, uh, K-pop is a $6 billion industry Fuck. and management companies spend millions of dollars every year mm. recruiting new artists, training those artists... Protecting the image of the performers. Um, Let's not forget that when we're talking about Korea, we're talking about South Korea. So, and yeah, that is not a particularly large country either. So $6 billion for that little country is a lot. <laughs> That's a yeah, big, absolutely. This is big fucking business, you know. So individuals are generally found through audition processes. Then they live in like a K-pop kind of boot camp for, yeah, year, for, for weird, often years and years training and training and honing their skills before they're yeah. unleashed on the public. Um, but, you know, that's just, the, the, I guess, the fortunate few get to actually mm. de- 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 debut, they call it. There's a lot of people that sort of come into the system, years of training, and then just spat out with, with nothing it's at all. So, crazy. You know, some people spend five years getting up at, you know, 4 a.m., working on singing, dancing, choreography, whatever other bullshit you they do. start to wonder if maybe they wouldn't prefer the Lou Pearlman approach. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> a little um, bit of occasional getting felt up in the showers in exchange for being able to sleep in occasionally. You know? Yeah, look, it's a wild ride and it's sort of, you know, I've got an iPhone, but I don't really want to visit the iPhone factory, no, Tom. I feel like exactly. peering behind the curtain <laughs> and seeing how those things are made, you know, you yeah. might not want to do it. It's kind of like if you found out your favourite jeans are made in a sweatshop in Bangladesh by eight-year-old yeah. children, you might be a bit hesitant. You might try and find another brand. And I feel like with K-pop, um, it's kind of the sweatshop of yes. pop music. I feel it's like a there's a like... little... Yeah, if you look behind the curtain and yeah. see how these people... 
once they've made it big, I'm sure it's different. But the sort of the process of getting yeah. to that position, I, I'm sure there's it, a lot of it seems pretty it, weird shit going yeah. on. Yeah, it seems exploitative, doesn't it? Even though you don't necessarily know for sure, but like you know, from yeah. from from what's implied and sort of reading. Um, Interviews with people that have sort of been in the in the system. I guess it sounds like that um, it's not for everybody, no. uh, and sort of being recruited or signed to a contract and then having to sort of get up really early every morning for mm-hmm. about five years just so that you can do a bit of a dance routine. Yes, leave it to large corporations to take anything that might possibly have been fun in a creative way and thrash it until it turns into some horrible monstrosity that you'd like to survive (laughs) with your sanity intact. We were just talking about fucking video games earlier on and I was saying how when I was a kid I imagined the idea of, you know, that one day people would get paid to play video games like... You know, they get paid to play sports, and they do, but it turns out, you know, the process that they go through to do that is very similar to the K-pop thing, e.g. Yeah. not something that looks actually quite depressing to watch. Oh, no doubt. It wouldn't be for much fun anyway. But look, yeah. Blackpink, um, they're one of the biggest things going these days. Oh, okay. Um, I'll in, take in your the, word the for K-pop it. In the K-pop world. Um, the biggest pay- K-pop... Uh, companies, including mm-hmm. the one that manages Blackpink, uh, yep. they go by the name of YG Entertainment. Um, they're listed on the stock exchange, mm-hmm. and look, you know, obviously major record companies um, across the world are, you know, they're they're, they're yep. public companies that people can invest in, obviously. So it's not just limited to to Korea, but um, YG Entertainment, you know, they're obviously a, a management. Sort of, you know, yeah. they, they, they recruit the people, they manage every element of them, release the records, yeah. etc. So they're managed, um, so yeah, they're on the stock exchange. Um, they're partially owned by the National Pension Scheme of Korea, which is um, the public pension fund in South mm. Korea. It's the third largest pension fund in the world. They've got $800 billion in assets and they're the largest investor in South Korea. So it must be good to know for (laughs) Korean citizens that the future quality of life in retirement is linked directly to the success of the new (laughs) BTS album. (laughs) BTS album comes out, has a few bangers on there. In retirement, I'm probably eating lobster, Tom. That's going to be great. If the new BTS album's dog shit, then we're dumpster diving for past Mm. expiration date kimchi for the rest of our lives. I'm sure that also encourages sort of playful creativity among the members of BTS as well to feel (laughs) like, you know, let's just experiment, you know, see where the muse takes us. Oh, exactly right. So, look, I gather I'll see you at 4am tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. I reckon people in Korea must sort of, you know... They know that if you're of working age, you know that your immediate future is related to the success of something. Well, I've so got when nearly Blackpink, a trillion dollars in assets, yeah, I suppose. So when Blackpink dropping you out, everyone just streams the living shit out of it, knowing that that's going to impact their True. ability to afford things True. you know, in the future. But look, I'm glad we don't have the same shit in Australia, Tom. Imagine the pain of being told that the retirement age is being raised from 65 to 70 because the latest Tones and I album tanked. Mm. It, sort of, it would just really exacerbate that problem. Yeah. I'm going to have to work five more <laughs> years because the follow-up to Welcome to the Madhouse was dog shit. Holy <laughs> shit. If Grinspoon go under, we're all in deep <laughs> shit. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. I put all my fucking shares into Dead Cat three times. You know, look Absolutely. Look, yeah, so this is, I mean, like you say, they're huge, even though this is only the first single from their second album. 
Mm. Uh, and it is the first appearance from a K-pop band in the number one spot um, anywhere, I think. Like, yeah. Or in Australia, certainly. Definitely from a group, yeah, we, we did get Gangnam Style solo, but that's, yeah. that's a while ago. But Plus, yeah. that's more of, they're more of like a sort of EDM act. Than yeah. A, yeah, but group, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's the first one, yeah. Um, there's a real shotgun approach with the song musically, uh, it's got as many different musical elements as there are members in the band. It's sort of <laughs> yeah. hip-hop, although there's sung verses, there's emo bits, there's English spoken parts, there's Korean spoken parts, there's throwback West Coast gangster verses, sort of anime flourishes, various quasi-breakdowns, bits that owe a lot to Rihanna, Queen Latifah and Biggie Smalls, traditional instruments, including the Gaegium, a pluck zither with 12 strings. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's no lagophone band, but it still sounds pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. The song also contains samples of PIMP by 50 Cent, Kick in the Door by the Notorious B.I.G. and Ponder Replay by Rihanna. I mean, if you're going to steal, steal from the best, I yeah, guess. absolutely. Personally, I was hoping for something from Lucas with the lid off, but you can't have everything. <laughs> you cannot, no. What did you make of the actual song itself? All the oh, stuff yeah. aside. I you think know? I think you're right. It seemed very scattergun, Tom. Like, it, I felt like they just sort of tried to throw everything at the wall. and sort Yeah. Because, yeah, you're right. There's the traditional Korean instrument mixed with some um, electro pop, I guess. Yeah. So it starts off in like going, oh... This this is probably yeah. From I feel Asia. like I know where this is going, yeah, and then it, and then it's then it's half of it's fucking kicking the electro pops. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or like this kind of Spice Girls, like post Spice Girls looking post Spice like Girls, double but... denim wrapping and shit. And then yeah, they did that sort of um yeah they they chunked in a sort of yeah you got the traditional instruments then into sort of generic-ish bar electro pop. Then you've got like sort of pretty catchy chorusy bit but yeah, then a lot of samples sample and then stuff. the rap bit comes in and look um blackpink <laughs> purportedly featured two rappers mm. but adding the abilities of the two together and you're still sort of at a sub post malone <laughs> level of rapping it wasn't the best yeah. rap that i've seen but they were wearing basketball attire in the rap bit so yes. you knew that they were serious about rapping that's true because they weren't wearing the basketball <laughs> attire in the other bits of the video so yeah. that in, at least gave the illusion that they in were sort rapping. of esl tradition it's got that uh sort of weird lens on american culture thing where everything's slightly out of date and a bit cobbled together yeah like you, you see what they're going for but it's not quite Right. It was like, yeah, like when the Spice Girls used to rap and it was terrible. Yeah. It's, I think you're right. Probably the, the, the what you could say about this is if you've sort of taken peak Spice Girls um, with a sort of new production sheen over the top yeah. um, and then thrown a criti- traditional Korean instrument yes. just so you know where it's from. Yeah, you well, like you say, that. with like 30 years of production technology. Exactly right. Exactly. Yeah. It's, so, it's not Backstreet's back, it. but I've heard it was, worse. I was, oh, yeah. I was I was good with it, but um, only in the sense that it was like um, could have been worse. Yeah. <laughs> so, the, the bits I liked least were the bits where they were most obviously trying to ape American culture. Yeah. E.g., yeah. a South Korean teenager trying to sound like Nicki Minaj. It's just not going to happen. No. You know? No. The, I like the bits most where they do a sort of fusion of different styles, like the traditional instruments with the hip-hop and EDM elements in the intro and stuff, because then it felt like 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a mishmash, but at least something new might happen here, you know. Exactly. And the, the video is similarly all over the fucking place. Oh, Jesus, isn't it? It's the most expensive one the label has ever made, which is pretty impressive when you yes. hear how much money they've got. Yeah. And they seem to achieve that by throwing basketfuls of wet cash at the wall mm. and seeing how much of it'll stick there. Every boy band and girl band has to do at least one of these videos where you show each member in a different context, you yep. know, to help brand their personalities definitely except here they each get multiple bites of the cherry so initially I thought there were more people in the band you think there's <laughs> 25 yeah, people in this thing yeah. I know there's only four yeah. but I thought it must have been some BTS thing where there was at least eight yeah. because if you don't know who the members are and can't get past the heavy makeup and elaborate outfits you might think Blackpink, cont- Blackpink contained a goth opera lady an anime vampire a six-armed red spider lady, a geisha musician, a 1995 Snoop Dogg backup dancer or three, the Asian Destiny's Child, a bondage lab assistant, and a breakdance posse from Big Trouble in Little China, <laughs> among yeah. others too numerous to list. <laughs> now, some might call this a visual feast. I'd say it's more like a 23-course degustation with a five-minute time limit, yeah. and I had to take several vomit breaks before dessert arrived. <laughs> You know, yeah. It was like one of those dinner parties that Stalin would host, I think. Yes. Like just force feed people yeah. like fucking geese, basically. I mean, it's not, again, it's not bad no. as much as just overstuffed like the song. Some bits are a pastiche in an experimental, interesting way, and some bits are a pastiche in a derivative, sort of predictable. You could probably way. take those ideas from the music video and spread them out over three. Absolutely. Music and the budget, too. Yeah. If you cut the budget into thirds, you'd probably get three more interesting videos. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Now, Tom, who's your favourite member of Blackpink? Jisoo, <laughs> uh, Jenny, Rose, or Lisa? All their real names, I'm sure. Do you have a favourite? My, I, my Rose um, is is my favourite. Tom. <laughs> now, Rose was born in New Zealand. Oh, okay. But she grew up right here in Melbourne, Australia, where wow. she lived when she was seven years of age. So. She's kind of Australian like Russell Crowe, mm. born in New Zealand, but then sort of spent her formative years here. Yeah, or so, like Mel Gibson. Yeah, exactly right. So um, I'm calling her the, 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 the female Russell Crowe, I mm. think, um, which I think should stick. Sure. And I think that, you know, she grew up here in Melbourne. The city probably helped form her, her personality. Yeah. You know, so I feel like that, you know, when I see Rose... It's like, oh, she's she's just she's a she's a Melbourne girl that's made it big. Congratulations, Rose. Well done. So she's one of us, um, and she doesn't do any of the rapping, which is no, because the rapping well. ones are dog shit. So, so um, did you get all of this from her trading card, by the way? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Picked so, up a couple of fresh decks of uh, black pink trading cards. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so her dad, he said, you should go on audition for this thing. Oh, okay. And she did. Mm-hmm. And I think 700 people showed up. Yeah, it wouldn't And she them. was the best out of the 700. Wow. Which is pretty good. And then she moved to, to Korea. Um, oh, wow. I don't think she'd ever lived in Korea before, but... Sweet. So uh, were they holding auditions in Australia? Yeah, they, did, they do it all over the place, apparently. No shit. Yeah. Okay. Apparently they do. So they held an audition in Australia. She did that. Um, so yeah, she, so yeah, she's, I, I don't know whether she's an Australian citizen or New Zealand citizen, but obviously, um, ethnically Korean. So mm-hmm. moved back 
sorry, moved to Korea. I don't know whether she'd yeah. ever lived there before. There is a big and Korean then, population in Melbourne. Yeah. A, yeah. So she moved there and then had to do the training for four years, mm-hmm. as you mentioned before. Four uh, years. That's a long fucking, fucking time. Me. And then they announced that she was a member of Blackpink after yeah. that four-year training thing. God. And um, I wonder how go. many people they started with. You know, well, do they start with like a hundred and then after four years, well, there's exactly. four of them left? That, that's the thing. It's sort of like, imagine, you, you commit four years of your life to the training in a, in a J-pop mm. thing and then you get to be in Blackpink. She's obviously massive now, but who knows whether she's getting a hundred dollar a week <laughs> stipend and the record yeah. label keeping everything. But hopefully she's being adequately compensated. Sus, but what about... Yeah, you're right. The other 90% of people that commit four or five years of their lives and it's like, you're yeah. just not good enough. And then you'd you cut. What do you do then? I bet you they have like reality TV shows that are about the training so they can have two bites. Of yeah, no well. doubt. Well, maybe they don't because they don't want to see behind <laughs> the curtain of how like third world. Oh, they'd be so. very polished. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So look, um, that's Blackpink. Um, yeah, there's, I think... So out of the members, yeah, one of them is Australian or New Zealand, I'm not sure. Mm. One of them's from Thailand. Okay. And I think the other two are from Korea. Yeah. And yeah, so it's a bit of a, a mixed posse. Um, I'm not sure whether that happens with all the Korean groups, whether they're usually all just yeah. from... I just assume that K-pop groups were just all from Korea, but it turns out that they yeah. have so much money they're able to sort of reach Re- out to various overseas. parts of the world and, yeah. and find people. So, look, yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, this is, the, as you said, first number one. Look, we might be hearing from the beginning in the future. I think K-pop's... It's booming, Tom. It's well, booming. Well, it is, yeah. K-pop and J-pop both seem to have developed a sort of Western fan base that didn't previously exist before, which yeah, is look, kind of interesting. Yeah, um, look, I assume we can look forward to V-pop, um, <laughs> C-pop, T-pop. All V-pop coming. vampire pop? Um, yeah, Michael Vampire's <laughs> uh, v- Vietnamese pop, oh, I okay, assume sorry, it's called yeah, V-pop. I couldn't um, think of Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, Burma B-pop uh, there's, there's yep. all of them I think sure. that's what so I think what it means is you just you take the first letter of an Asian country and put it in front of pop mm. and that's where you're at so mm. but yeah look anyway um, yeah look forward to some more of their work particularly if it's extremely elaborate video clips that yeah. go forever so um, what about the have you got lyrics? in your lyrics are you, you going to work through the rap or not <laughs> well you know I love a wonky translation bit yes I won't do the whole thing because it's quite long but the full English version starts like this the song's sort of got it's got some English in the choruses and a bit in the rap but yeah it's sort of half and half yep. the full English version starts like this kick in the door waving the cocoa eat your popcorn don't even think about cutting in I talk that talk runways I walk walk everything collapses at the flick of my fingertip quite fancy for a fake show it's all falling apart at the touch of my fingertips. It was flashy for a fake show. It makes no sense. You couldn't get a dollar out of me. It's tonight. I'm a poisonous flower. After taking your soul away, look what you made us do. A fire that will slowly put you to sleep. It's so beautiful. It's brutal. This, that, pink venom, etc. Straight to your dome like whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Straight to your dome. Now, Ben, would you say that A, this is a classic lost in translation issue. Yeah. B, this makes as much sense and rhymes about as well as your average Drake song. Or C, you're a black pink stand and everything they touch is pure gold. 
Oh, look, um, it's probably about as good as your average Drake song, really, isn't it? I like how it's got, like, three bits in it that are just, just quotes from other hip-hop songs. Oh, absolutely. Just, like, um, straight to your dome as well. As, <laughs> I, that's, I haven't heard that since about 1991. I so think a couple of those bits are references, like, like Gangnam Style, to some... There are allusions to some Korean thing that might not yeah, make sense yeah. here, but, yeah. Like there the video, a- the lyrics are such a pastiche that it's hard to tell if the collage is a deliberate effect they're aiming for or whether they're just throwing everything in bibimbap style and hoping a bit of chilli will sort of glue all the flavours together if I yeah. put a fried egg on top <laughs> hopefully <laughs> it'll come together in the end you know. it, it could have been spat out by an AI uh, some of it could have been yeah that's the thing too. we don't quite know the, the video definitely has a sort of um, slot machine feeling of just like things just going bling 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 yeah. in a row at random <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so look, they've got 24 million on Spotify, Tom, which wow. is quite good. It's not but bad. Not too bad. I should also mention, though, that they're the most um, subscribed mu- music artist and the most viewed music channel on YouTube. Okay. So okay. it seems like that um, they've got a lot of Spotify, but it looks like YouTubers, sort of uh, their fans, might well, gravitate. As I'm Kate not... Bush figured out in 1985, well, if you're talking about pure pop, then the visuals that's are a correct. huge part of it, you know, so that's why they put so much fucking money into the videos for this. This video clearly took a lot more work than the song did. <laughs> oh, more, Way doubt. more effort would have gone into this. Than it's this funny thing. that they spend four years training them up and then just release sort of a song that could have been written on the weekend but the training half of that training would be choreography getting incredibly fit looking perfect etc exactly right yeah for sure all right so what do we got next we're fucking three quarters of the way through the year already um it is tom hold me closer elton john and britney spears one One week week, tom Now, Elton is back doing the same shit he pulled mm. with Dua Lipa yeah. uh, last year. He is. It's Only he's uh... subbed out Dua Lipa and he's brought in Britney. <laughs> yep, it's so, his... let's dust off some old material, put a new yeah. modern spin on it. Weirdly by, you know, modern spin, I mean making it sound like a mid-2000s take on 70s disco. Then get a young pop starlet in, and by young mm. pop starlet in this case, I mean a 20 years past her prime Britney Spears. <laughs> and... Um, you know, just get Elton to do some yeah. bullshit on it, and there you go. This is probably as unnecessary as music gets. Yeah, well, much like his last one uh, <laughs> yeah. from his lockdown sessions album or <laughs> lazy mixtape, if you prefer. Yeah. This is literally yeah. him just going, fuck, that other one was a hit. Let's I do know. the exact I same thing again. I thought, well, maybe that was just one. You know how sometimes when you do, a, you know, you do a new album, they'll throw in one thing just to get people listening, you know, but... Yeah, clearly that's what this whole album is. Yep. Um, yeah, a half-assed dance remix of a song which already had a dance remix 13 years ago by UK rappers Ironic featuring Chipmunk. <laughs> uh, and that one's not bad, but I, I prefer the 2011 cover by Sarcastic featuring Bandicoot myself. Oh, that's... But that's yeah, either way, like a remix of Hold Me Closer isn't even a new idea. Yep. Uh, this version also incorporates elements of The One and Don't Go Breaking My Heart. Yep. Uh, as with last year's Dual Epa mix, these songs were originally re- released decades apart and have fuck all to do with each other. Yeah. Yeah. The song, uh, also, just one small thing, marked Spears' first new musical release in six years and her first release after the termination of her controversial um, conservatorship thing with the oh, TV okay. shows about. Wow, okay, it's yeah. the first thing she's released since she got her 
groove back and it's a sketchy <laughs> cover of some <laughs> yeah. old shit off, yeah, off a Elton John's Give Me Some More Money album yeah. I'm in lockdown. <laughs> um, if Elton keeps doing this, just you know, taking <sighs> old shit and reusing it, um, I don't know the inner workings of this, but can you revoke a knighthood? Is there any chance that, that you know, King Charles can yeah. somehow say, we're taking, we're, we're wheeling this back because you keep annoying us yes. with just shitty old or, fucking songs. Or similarly, as with we were talking about with Molly Crew, can we get some sort of international court to prosecute the final tour thing oh, and get, yeah, so exactly get some of these right. people who are touring who've done six final world tours to actually be forced to not do any For more sure. fucking tours I'm looking at you, you know? ACCC as if somehow right. you can get involved and say you said this is a final tour we're banning you how many from- fucking times <laughs> has Elton John done his last world tour I mean it's pretty simple what, all we need to do is say we're not going to issue you a visa you can't get That's in right. here your passport's no That's good right. here they, now, won't, they won't let you in if they just don't like, they wouldn't let Snoop Dogg in for, I don't know, smoking too much weed or something, yep. you know? Then, yeah. Can't I just be like, you said it was your final tour in 2004, Sorry, you're done. You've Get got enough out. Australian cash in yeah, your exactly. bank account. Now, Tom, um, Eldon revealed to The Guardian that it was um, his husband, uh, David Furnish, who suggested putting Britney Spears on the track. Sure. Pin so, it on <laughs> exactly right. Now, Elton and Britney first met in 2014 yep. at Elton John's AIDS Foundation Academy Award viewing party. Okay. Now, what the <laughs> fuck is that? I understand I that Elton John. You know, he's a gay man. Mm-hmm. He would probably have, I assume he has, many gay friends. Mm-hmm. He, he's been, you know, active in sort of the music scene since the 70s. Sure. Um, he probably lost some friends to the AIDS yep. epidemic in the 80s when we didn't obviously have the knowledge or medicine that we have mm-hmm. now to sort of deal with that. So him having an AIDS foundation makes perfect sense yeah. to me, I think. Um, that AIDS Foundation having an Academy Awards viewing party yeah. makes less sense. Is that a ticket? Do I need to pay <laughs> money? Like, is that sort of like yes. I'm paying a thousand dollars to go to an AIDS Foundation? A cat? Is it just mm. at Elton John's house? Rich on people the ca- in America who are essentially the new global aristocracy since the old one all yeah. broke now in Europe. Uh, they figured out a while ago that. Uh, if you repeatedly have headlines like rich people entertain themselves, then eventually there's going to be pitchforks outside the mansions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what they do instead is you do exactly the same party you were going to do, except you charge people $10,000 to show up and then you say the whole thing's for homeless pigeons in yeah. Africa and then, you know, then suddenly you're doing something altruistic. So Elton John just invites yeah. a bunch of rich people over to his house to watch the Oscars and give shit to the outfits on the red carpet but then you say it's for a... For a you charge yeah. people two grand to be there and say it's See, a. that's problematic because what if I run into Elton and he says, I've got, I'm having a, you know, an Academy Award viewing party come along I love your work on the podcast mm, um, assuming e- even though you, even though you've it. shat on all of my recent material so <laughs> yeah. I show up and go thanks Elton come along mm. and then at the end of the night he's like yo I'm going to need 5k like <laughs> I was like well I wouldn't have oh, sh- I wouldn't, wouldn't have come wouldn't be getting in the door without no, the 5k no well, exactly right so look anyway I don't know hey look I mean the the people with AIDS still get the money, you know. It's not, oh, that's true. They're that's not, true. They're not, it's it's not entirely. It goes to no. It goes to a good cause. That's correct. That's but right. um, I think yeah, I'd probably prefer to keep. <laughs> 
the five grand and not go to an academy sure. or sort of viewing thing and then just sort of um yeah, I don't know. Yeah. No, Watch it at home on TV. John, now, uh, sorry, yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, John said, uh, speaking of working with Britney, I'm so excited to be able to do it with Britney because if it is a big hit, and I think it may be, it will give her so much more confidence than she's got already. God. And she will realise that people actually love her and care for her and want her to be happy. She's been away so long, there's a lot of fear there because she's been betrayed so many times and she hasn't really been in the public eye officially for so long. We've been holding her hand through the whole process, reassuring her that everything's going to be all right. Now, I like how this septuagenarian worth half a billion dollars makes cranking out a sketchy remix sound like doing more charity work (laughs) for another multi-millionaire with self-esteem issues, self-esteem issues that don't prevent her doing... 10 years as a Vegas headliner every night. Yeah, thanks for throwing a scrappy <laughs> underdog, yeah. you know. Uh, I didn't a, think Britney's problem was a lack of self love. It was more to do with an absence of what experts call sanity, yeah, I think, if, yeah. if I remember correctly. I mean, at least K Fed didn't get a verse, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What do you think of this song? I mean, I like Tan- Tony Dan- Tiny Dancer, or Tony Dancer as it's sometimes called. Um, I think the original is great, and I think the use of the song in Almost Famous is one of the best uh, movie scenes in cinema history, diegetic speaking of movie yep. scenes. That said, I reckon as a sketchy dance remix of Elton John, I quite I think I preferred the Dua Lipa one. Oh, look, year. yeah, I, I Possibly because yeah. the producers are Pinyao were better than these guys. Andrew yep. Watt and Circuit, I don't think, are as good as Pinyao. But... I'm just glad that um, Elton John is um, butchering some of his shitter material <laughs> and not trying to remix his, his Stone Cold classics like Crocodile Rock um, <laughs> or the one with Kiki D. I suppose so. you could argue, compared to a lot of the sketchy hip-hop remixes we listen to, at least he's trashing his own. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right. It's only his own back catalogue he's, he's ruining he's not, taking a sample of a love song and ruining it is no so no okay. and if Britney Spears gets on board at this point she knows what she's in for like you yep. know it's not now when Elton gave um, Andrew Watt the producer you just mentioned uh, instructions for the collaboration uh, mm-hmm. he told him not to put too much pressure on himself which he clearly didn't because no, it just churned out some bullshit um, he said quote this isn't the new tiny dancer this is fun a new version for people to listen to while they're having a drink in Ibiza and dance to. It's not serious. <laughs> now, raises a few questions. How many people in Ibiza are throwing this on and having yeah. a bit of a dance to it? Nobody. <laughs> people that are going to Ibiza are serious dance music fiends. They don't want to listen to this bullshit. True. They do play a lot of cheesy shit at 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, that's though. true. You never know. And he also, um, the last part... This is not serious. <laughs> Certainly, I could not agree more. Yeah, this I mean, is um, cash grab. I think it's called. Also, I like the original or promotion. But it wasn't for exactly tour. Shakespeare. Either. <laughs> no, exactly yeah. right. So, Did you see the video for this one? I didn't bother watching oh, it, Tom. I saw the Dua Lipa one was an animated one. Is I this think, the same? I think the Dua Lipa one. I think was a lockdown video. Oh yeah, yeah it was just her dancing. Is this animated it. as well or not? No, uh, the theme. Holy shit, the theme for this year is clearly interpretive dance, because mm. here's another one. Uh, Mr. Spears and Mr. John are nowhere to be seen said there's some unnamed professional dancers giving it 100% in the hills above Mexico. 
There's actually three fucking videos for this damn song, not counting the videos for the original three Elton John songs. Yep. There's one for the Joel Corey remix, which features more Eurodance-style action to go with the more Eurodance-style remix. Oh, yeah. And a third video for the acoustic guitar version of a dodgy fucking remix the world desperately needed. Jeepers. Which features more interpretive dancing, this time on the ice which is admittedly a bit more skillful and fun to watch than yep. the Kate Bush variety. The skater there is US gold medalist Nathan Chen, who danced to Rocket Man at the Olympic Games oh. and was then asked by Elton John if he'd do another song, for, do another dance for this video. Uh, this one's, that one's my favourite video. It's, I like the no-frill spinal column threatening backflip action, but yeah, I think <laughs> I'd still prefer it with the original song, to be fair. But yeah, yeah no, I didn't see the video, but um, good to know that they've made multiple because There's that's not, made, not a lot to say about this no, one, really, is it? It's just a sort of dodgy dance remix. Yeah, yeah look, um, do we know who Elton got on the cover of Metallica's Nothing Else Matters for the album? <laughs> Just, did is he, there a cover of he did oh he did nothing God. else matters for his lockdown album um, no he did that was one of the other songs that he, so he sort of performed for that I'm hoping Teo Cruz with Kesha mm. I think that mm. would be great with Elton John <laughs> get the duo back together after the toilet store snatch close up photo anthem dirty yeah. picture because um, nothing else matters except for That's a right. toilet <laughs> close-up snatch shot I and think so. hopefully the music video features some interpretive dance from an Olympic pole vaulter yep. or something <laughs> nothing else matters with the disco beach see now that see that's exactly what I was talking about now he's going after another song that's not shit like if, if, yeah that's ruining other people's music is different to ruining your own well I might do a cover of Crocodile Rock on yeah. my Eurodance album Tom death, that. death metal version yeah have you um with the lyric we don't need to talk about the lyrics do we because yeah. it's an old old it's song not much to say like, it's no. basically just half the lyrics from oh Tiny Dance <laughs> yeah does that uh, which is about what happens when a living male nanny develops chemistry with a blonde career milf and her children, one uh, of whom is a young yeah. Alyssa Milano. Yep. Oh, sorry, that's a different song called Holy Closer Tony Danza. Uh, this one is about Bernie Taupin's Californian wife, who, among other things, was a seamstress for the band. So, yeah, despite okay. it being an A-tier AOR rock mainstay, when the song was released in 1972, it went nowhere. At 6 minutes 12, it was considered too long, even though Stairway to Heaven came out the year before and only got to number 41 in the US and wasn't even released as a single in the UK. Uh, yeah. It made it to 13 on the old Kent charts in oh, Australia, though. So, 13, yeah, I'm go. calling that a win for us. I, I, I did quite so. like that original song. I think it's one of his best ones. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, agreed. So I just, just, just didn't need to do this one. No. So, I, think, um, I really think that... Almost Famous accidentally put it on the A-tier um, classic rock radio yeah, chart yeah, is where it is now. Before that, it was all his old his other stuff like Crocodile Rock and so Exactly right. All right, let's move on. What do we got next? Uh, Tom, 12th of September, super freaky girl, Nicki Minaj. Yeah. For one another week. Another one week. Yep. Nicki giving us a post-WAP Anaconda-style reworking of Rick James's Super Freak. Yes. Now, Nikki, we, you may recall, Tom, we talked about this a bit uh, a couple of weeks ago. I think Nikki developed the formula on Anaconda, 
where mm. she took an old rap song. In that case, it was um, Sir Mix-a-Lot's Baby Got Back, interpolated it so it keeps the same hook for the chorus, yes. basically. Then she does some of her tepid raps over the top, so it's about you know your vagina or asshole or some shit, and you're good <laughs> to go. Now, it looks like lightning does strike twice, because mm. the formula is identical, except... Rather than taking Sir Mix-a-Lot's Baby Got Back and turning that into Anaconda, she's just taken... I get she's taken Rick James's Super Freak, but also she's sort of taken um, MC Hammer, You Can't Touch This, which obviously sampled Super Freak oh, yeah, back in, in 1992. So she's sort of taken the, um, the original Super Freak, then put a hip-hop spin on it as uh, MC Hammer had previously yep. done, utilises a Super Freak hook from the original... Rapping style of MC Hammer, um, vagina asshole themes of Anaconda, <laughs> mashes them all up to give us super freaky girl. Yes. Interestingly, she'd already sampled the 1981 hit Super Freak on her 2007 mixtape track Dilly Dally. Oh, okay. Back when her flow, unlike her body, had less original parts in it. <laughs> <laughs> she, yeah. she's, so she's running out of ideas, you're telling me. Clearly, yes. Uh, yeah. Minaj said that after being pregnant and having a baby, yep. it was difficult for her to write and perform certain songs the way she had done in the past. After a few years, I had forgotten who I was because I was only reading who people were saying I was. And then it dawned on me like, wait a minute, when you were saying your sexually explicit lyrics before, you weren't trying to be serious. You weren't trying to turn people on. You were trying to be funny and goofy and stupid, like just tap back into you, you know? And so that's how I approached Super Freaky Girl. I did think that was interesting because she said the same thing for Anaconda back when we covered that in 2014. Mm. You know, she said it was just basically her trying to make her friends laugh with stupid, rude lyrics about dudes' dicks and stuff. Yeah. So clearly she took her took a decade off from that and now she's come back to... Artistic you know. growth, Tom. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Doing the exact same shit she you did the exact years same ago. shit, which wasn't also, super original. I also remember when then. she had that baby, she said she was quitting music forever. Oh, really? She, she was out for about six months, <laughs> okay. so yeah. So what she failed to do in the intervening time was to develop a Rihanna-style $100 million fashion brand, I think, yep. and, yeah, so you can retire. Yeah, but look, Tom, unlike um, um, Anaconda, which I think uh, was just about... Uh, her big butt, so a bit of an art, an ass yep. song. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, the lyrics: um, I can lick it, I can ride it while you slipping and sliding. Mm. I can do those little tricks and keep that dick up inside it. You can smack it, you can grip it, you can go down and kiss it. Every time you leave me alone, always tell me he miss it. Um, this one's about a snatch, so she mm. sort of mixed it up there. And the first bit, I can lick it, I can ride it, is about the dude's dick. I so see. that's the artistic growth. <laughs> yes. Anaconda, mm. ass. This a dick vagina yes. combo. So she's certainly, I think she's she's changing up, you know, her sort of lyrical concepts. I think artistic mm. growth. She she's grown as an artist, and I think post baby, it's sort of that's the thing, isn't it? Like she she yes. before that she was rapping about one thing, and she had a kid <laughs> and realised that she should. Yes, you know, she do evolved. more mature yes. sort of subject matter things that that can be you know for a core audience, mm. sure, but also can appeal to her children as well. Yes. I think she's done that here. So. She's travelled as an artist from the anus straight through into yep. the vagina. Area. Absolutely, and then after that, she goes on to say, "Tom, um, I've got a princess face, a killer body, samurai mind." Oh, I see. Now, what's your take on this? Now, princess face. I mean, sure. 
There's nothing to say that Nikki doesn't have the face of a princess. There's no set princess face, so to speak, so that's okay. Mm. Killer body, yeah, look, might not necessarily be for me, um, but there are dudes that I'm sure would be all over that killer body given the opportunity. You know, yep. Nicki Minaj comes knocking, people aren't saying no. Samurai Mind. <laughs> now, I mean, I Jeez. assume she's going for uh, the Bushido Tom, the way of the, you know, the, the warrior code. Yeah. The way of the warrior, which, you know, I guess, you know, there are seven rules of the Bushido, <laughs> the samurai, which I think Fuck. really describes Nicki Minaj perfectly. So I think I would agree with that. Righteousness, Tom. Mm-hmm. The Bushido Code, the Samurai. Justice is the most important virtue of the Samurai. Mm-hmm. A true Samurai does not attack the enemy without an important reason. And I think, you know, Nikki for sure. You know, when shit is popping off on Twitter <laughs> and Nikki's shitting all over Megan the Stallion or Iggy Azalea, I'm sure they started it, Tom. Mm. Righteousness. A true samurai does not attack the enemy without an important reason. That's right. Iggy claims she invented twerking. That gives Nikki a reason to say, wait a minute, you mm. did not. And then she, you know, Megan the Stallion claims to have sucked off one of Nicki Minaj's dudes. <laughs> Nikki can a- attack. So Tom Bushido, Tom, the way of the warrior. <laughs> she is given that righteousness. Loyalty. The samurai should always be loyal to the master. In this mm. case... Nikki is, you know, loyal to probably the greatest samurai master, Little Wayne. <laughs> sure. It makes sense. Honor. Mm-hmm. A life without honor, Tom, is not a life. Mm. The way of the Bushido. That's true. If a samurai makes a mistake, they should honor their name by committing suicide. Now, Nikki obviously has a flawless discography at this point. <laughs> no mistakes or missteps no. that I can see have been no. made. Knowing that, you know, Nikki has that samurai mind follows the way of the Bushido, mm. the warrior. If Nikki was to release an album that tanked, I'm, I'm sure, you know, there'd be some self-disembowelment. So, you know, we <laughs> yep. will wait for that. But so far, no missteps. Respect. A samurai should always respect the enemy. Mm-hmm. A samurai respects an opponent before and after the fight. If a samurai kills the opponent, they are very respectful to the corpse. Mm. Now, one thing I can say <laughs> about Nicki Minaj, unlike, you know, Megan the Stallion, is that, you know, she respects those people, and as far as I know, Nikki has never been disrespectful to a corpse. No. If there's one thing I'll say about Nikki, she's never desecrated a corpse. No, which is more than you can say from Cardi B. Exactly. As we right. all know, is a public necrophiliac. <laughs> exactly. It's always disrespecting corpses. Always disrespecting corpses, and that's just Nikki's samurai mind. Courage. A samurai fights to the end. Mm-hmm. A samurai is never afraid of anything. A samurai is not afraid of death. A samurai is always brave because they fight for something they believe in. Mm. Nikki clearly isn't afraid of anything. She's not afraid of death. And she always fights for what she believes in, namely being able to rap about her snatch. Mm. She has always done that. <laughs> Consistency, Tom. A rapper, a samurai never changes the path. <laughs> Move forward and never back. Nikki retired for about three weeks and then said no. That is not the way of the warrior. That is not the way of the Bushido, the samurai. You never change paths. You rap until you die. You always look forward. You never look back. And you're always looking to the next club banger. So when I look at those seven tenants, you know, the Bushido, the way of the warrior, the samurai mind, I don't think... It, you know, Nicki Minaj embodies all of that perfectly. So, mm. at first I read those lyrics, you know, princess face, killer body, samurai mind, and went, oh, I don't know about this. But then the more I looked into it, Tom, mm. 
I think it's spot on. Yes. Yeah, no, she's a real ghost dog. She is. That's <laughs> right. People said to her, have you thought about rapping about something other than your own genitals? And yep. she said, no. Consistency, rule seven. Exactly Here's right. Here's a copy of Rashomon, read it. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you watch the video? Oh, you bet I did, yeah. Yeah, in a prescient turn of events, uh, the, <laughs> yes. the Barbie-obsessed Nicki Minaj dropped her Barbie-themed video a year before the billion-dollar Barbie movie. Yeah, exactly. Which features her doing the Barbie title theme, yep. including production from Malibu Baby, a Barbie-themed music producer whose latest hit is Barbie Girl spelled wrong. A oh, hip good. hop mixtape ripoff of the Aqua song, which somehow makes it seem like a work of sophisticated musical satire by comparison. Yeah, I personally I like the themes of castration anxiety in the video, which work well with the Ken thing. Although yep. I would have liked to see some actual rubber dicks getting lopped off. You know, <laughs> if you're going to wave shears around, then, you know, let's see what they do. It's also slightly at odds with the premise of the song, which is that Minaj has an impressive, some might say, super range of talents when it comes to making dudes jizz everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. We, Whereas we Ken, we he's know. got no dick. He can't, he can't <laughs> just everywhere. How can you make Ken come? Exactly. Do you think that um, Nicki Minaj, uh, this this Barbie movie would have been in production years ago? Like, do you think she's probably? A, yeah. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, she always has been on the Barbie train. You know, she's yeah. been. Yeah. Definitely. But, but I mean, the the music video could have been anything. Like, it didn't yes. have to be about. No, no, that's true. This song that. isn't especially Barbie related. So who who played the Ken in the music video? Was it? Do you know? It's a bunch of different dudes. Oh, is it? Okay. I yeah. think. Yeah. I saw. Uh, yeah, because I was like, I don't recognise that guy, so I'm not sure whether it was someone that was already famous that they threw in there. Or no, not. no. So look, um, yeah. Barbie thing um, it's just Nicki Minaj she just sits on a bench for half the time I think just sort of while Ken like yeah. tries to you know I don't know do something reach yeah. up snatch territory <laughs> I think so I'm not sure but look um, regarding the actual uh, song I guess the sample is what makes the song no doubt much like MC Hammers you mm-hmm. can't touch this absolutely Rick James famously tried to keep rappers from sampling his music turning down many requests I think we probably talked about this when we talked about MC Hammer you can't touch this um, many episodes ago according to James his lawyers um, authorised the Super Freak sample without his permission, this is for, for MC Hammer, mm-hmm. he heard about it when a friend told him that You Can't Touch, you know, uh, You Can't Touch This became popular. The song came on the radio, they were listening in the car, and James apparently was said to be irate <laughs> that uh, his lawyer had, yeah. you know, authorised the sample without his permission. True. But he was appeased when he found out how much money he'd be making from it because it was a massive yeah. hit. So he claimed that he wouldn't have done the deal, however, if he was asked to do that. Yeah. Uh, Rick James's estate, now that Rick James is dead, they obviously don't share his stance on rigorously protecting his works. No. <laughs> um, as I'm not claiming you can't touch this as some sort of masterwork, this is clearly about 10 notches below that. Yeah. And they were clearly happy to allow Nicki Minaj to just rap about her vagina over the top of that. So Also, Super Freak's been used in heaps of TV oh, yeah. commercials and shit. Since, even before he died, I think he must have been. I think he was getting fairly desperate for cash towards the end. Mm. <laughs> yeah. You protect your works, um, but 
you know, if you can't <laughs> afford to eat because uh, all your money's in a pension fund that um, is supporting, mm. I guess, you know, some <laughs> songs that have tanked. I think, yeah, probably Rick James's pension fund had put all their money into snow. And then when that didn't work out, he needed some yeah, extra cash. I, there was a show about Rick James on SBS a few months ago and I caught a little bit of it. Yeah. Yeah, he, he I didn't, I only know him because he's a little bit before my time. I only know him from his sort of 80s hits. And yeah. a bit of his stuff on the Dave Chappelle show, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, his early career was really interesting. He was sort of he 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 started out looking like he could have been a sort of prince figure, like yeah. he could have been this kind of yeah. He had a real individual style and stuff, and he was in shitloads of bands. First, he was a multi instrumentalist, very talented. Do you know he was in a band with um, uh, <laughs> what's his name? Not. Uh, I always get them confused. Who did Rocky Mountain High? John Denver. Not John Denver. Neil Diamond. Oh, okay. No, Neil Young. Neil Young. He was in a band with Neil Young. Okay. <laughs> yes. <a weird> wow. <laughs> um, yeah. Hang on, I'll just see Didn't see that. that. Is that like with Wayne Static was in a band with uh, Billy Corgan? Neil <laughs> Young, Rick James... Uh, Neil Young and Rich James once lived together. Oh, wow, there you go. And they were in a Motown band called the Minor Birds when they in Canada, oh. you know, home of many black people. But yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I mean lyrics wise, you've you've covered this pretty well. There's um, any other magic? Uh, they can't be Nicky, they're so stupid, I just laugh when they try. A thong bikini up my ass. I think I'll go for a dive. His ex-bitch went up against me, but she didn't surprise, didn't survive. On applications, I write pressure, because that's what I apply. Ooh, I don't know about you, Ben, nuts. but that's yep. definitely going into my resume at the next job interview I attend <laughs> while wearing a thong bikini. <laughs> Just put pressure down. And they say, Absolutely. what does that mean? I'll say, that's what I apply. Now... Check out my art. So, um, Nicki Minaj has uh, 62 million listeners on Spotify. Wow! That's, that's a significant that's sum. That's crazy. That's, that's getting up towards your Sheerans and your Swifts. Now, I think she needs to be aiming for 100 mil. Yes. And the best way to do that <laughs> is by taking an old rap song <laughs> and rapping about a snatch over Ooh. the top of it. So, look, she's got obviously some she's mixed lot got back. parts. This well, is the problem. Well, I was thinking about this, and um, if Nikki's listening to this, I know she's a big fan of, of the podcast. So, Nikki, mm. if you want a few tips, um, I think you could go for either Rex and Effect Rump Shaker. Mm, not bad. Because um, Pharrell was uh, involved in, in the composition of that track. Yep. So that'll be good. You could get Pharrell back on the... You get the Rex and effects, you know, <laughs> that saxophone <laughs> yep. bit, sample that. Mm-hmm. Get Pharrell back in to work on the track. I yep. mean, that's a massive hit. And rump shaking, just talk about shaking your ass. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, two live crew pop that coochie. Sure. Same sort of thing. Um, or even Snow's Informer Tom, because there's the uh, pulled down my pants, looked up my bottom lyric, <laughs> sure. which I think is very on brand for Nikki. So I think there's yeah. three options that she has um, to work on. So maybe next year or the year after, we can look forward to one of those. Mm. Who are doing a sort of same thing where they sam- you know, chop it up, mix it up, yeah. sample, that sort of thing, and then just get it to do that. So, yeah. We'll see how we go. I think they're all great ideas. Fantastic. And I think she should be looking at 100 million by the end of the year. Oh, no doubt. (laughs) Definitely.
That's what I'm on for. Uh, all right, who we got next? Uh, next time, 19th of September for one week, it is I'm Good Bracket Blue in Bracket uh, David Guetta with Baby Bebe Rexa. Yep. Um, two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. Yes, sorry, oh, two weeks. Um, David Guetta proving he's still in touch with the youth by dropping a timely reworking of a 20-plus-year-old Eiffel 65 song. Mm, that was pretty questionable in the first place. Does this hold up to your theory of the cover always <laughs> um, The theory has really been pushed to the limits mm. this week, Tom, because the cover is always better than the original, but um, I've just come off the back of, uh, you know, Nicki Minaj's Super Freaky Girl... Um, a whole is hold me closer. Te- I mean, it's not re- that's just a reworking yeah, of an old song. Similarly, so. with this, you might be able to slip through the um, technicality of whether this is a cover or not, as yeah. it's not called. No, well, the original's called Blue, isn't it? Yeah, is and it? this is yeah, this is um, Blue. This is I'm Good. So it's like a, it's like blue. a reworking. Yeah, it's yeah, it's about it's, as it's original re- as David Guetta <laughs> commonly gets. E.g., it's ninety one percent someone it's, it's else's a re- song. Yeah, it's a reimagining. I guess. Yeah. Look at yeah, I don't know. Look, we've got TikTok to blame for this again. I think Tom. So mm. Guetta and uh, Bebe, is it Bebe? Baby? Bebe? I think it's Bebe. Bebe. Um, recorded a demo of this um, in the mid two thousands, Tom. Okay. So and then debuted it live in two thousand and seventeen. Yes. So performed that. Then it was just left unfinished, mm-hmm. left undone. That's the end of that. A clip of the collaboration went viral on TikTok in August twenty twenty two. Guetta thought, oh, it's time to finish the track now. Read, I better monetize the fuck yep. out of this. And he had a finished version out like two weeks later. Yeah. So that's the story. So, um, yeah, if it wasn't for TikTok, this may never have existed. Yeah, it's a bit depressing, isn't it? Yeah. During the first ever premiere of that song at the Ultra Music Festival that you mentioned, yep. uh, 2017, Guetta stated, This one is an exclusive early track. You're the very first people on the planet to hear this record, and I made it especially for you. <laughs> At that moment, a two-litre Coke bottle full of piss collided with his skull, but sadly was too late to prevent the song being played. I did this just for you. You've never heard this before. It's just the fucking same Eiffel 65 Also, don't try and make the crowd take credit for this bullshit. I did just for you. This is a new song. No one's ever heard this before. I'm blue double D. So, yeah, we've all fucking heard this before, David Guetta. I'll say one thing, one positive thing about Guetta. He's looking great for a 55-year-old in this video. I mean, Coke keeps you thin, but the dude has been doing his crunches, and you need that if you're going to rock an open Hawaiian shirt dancing around with two dozen half-naked 20-year-old chicks in your video. It harkens back to the early aughts Ibiza video era as evoked in Kevin and Perry Go Large and It's All Gone Pete Tong. Back then, all you needed was a rented terrace, 30 nameless women in bikinis, two unplugged turntables and a 44-gallon <laughs> drum of liquid MDMA to head off any pesky questions about hourly rates or sexual assault allegations. Yeah, so he's <laughs> keeping that dream alive, but, you know, he's shredded, I'll give him credit. 
absolutely. It made me want to start doing coke, but I mean, unfortunately, at this rate in Australia, cocaine's even more expensive than a Zempic, so I think it's going to be a while before I can afford to do that diet trick. Yeah, look, um, and he, I assume he's also injecting some sort of blood from <laughs> children or something. Oh, from his own son, like yeah, that from the dick in America. Exactly. Uh, now, Tom, what's the definitive version, you think, of this song? Mm. Is it the original, the Eiffel 65, I'm Blue, Double D, Double Da? Um, is it this reworking with Guetta and Bebe? Yep. Or is it the 2009 Flowrider single, Sugar? Oh, my God. Featuring friend of the podcast, Winter Gordon, doing the chorus. <laughs> oh, my God. Does that interpolate? It does I'm interpolate. Blue? God this, damn it. Yep. So this lazy shit wasn't even an original rip Oh, no. It's a, no, no, oh, no. God. He's ripping off Flowrider, yeah. which is oh my um, God. problematic. Not to mention, imagine how many dodgy remixes of the original they were oh, floating around Jesus in these Christ, subsequent yeah. years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, lyrically, I think I preferred the original because at least it had a certain I went out and got munted and had a weird dream about a space alien originality to it whereas this one is just things like you know I'm down for whatever tonight I don't need the finer things in life no matter where I go it's a good time yeah and I don't need to sit in VIP middle of the floor that's where I'll be so yeah. if you're in a nightclub on the dance floor and you trip over something, that'll be Bebe Rexa, so overcome with the awesome power of a 23-year-old Italian post-Eurobeat track that she's had to take a seat on the ground, yeah. perhaps looking up at the roof above her and hoping against hope to see, up in the rafters, a small poorly animated blue alien <laughs> called Zerottle, ready to beam her up to a better reality right before the paramedics arrive and carry her out on a stretcher with acute shit music poisoning. Yeah. Look, um, you know as a lyricist you're doing a poor job when people prefer the original lyrics, which are I'm blue, double D, double da. Yes. When I that's in a preferable, blue car, in a blue house, everything's blue. When I've that's got a better blue... than what you've come up with, I know, um, I'm great, good, I'm it? feeling all right. It's like, Jesus, fuck. Guetta is terrible. He's one of the most well-reimbursed hacks that keep yeah. popping up on this fucking thing. Yeah, why didn't the music video of this featuring Zerotti, you know, Zerotti, blue, I know. That would have been good. It would have been like David Guetta and then... What, what I would have liked is you've got David Guetta, you've got Bebe... And then when David Guetta's scratching the turntable, mm-hmm. the little aliens on the record yeah. spinning around going, ah, that would well, have been great. Right. I mean, 500 bucks worth of CGI goes a lot further nowadays than it did in 2000 oh, yeah, exactly when they were right. doing the original. That would have dropped $4 million <laughs> in that video. You could do that. A kid could do that these days. Yeah. So. And look, I think also as well, if, if Zerotti had it featured in the music video then maybe you know, it would have been the perfect opportunity for Eiffel 65 to get that financing for the feature film they've been wanting yes, to make for 25 years. the so. end of the trilogy. Yeah, exactly. All right, please let's move on, because oh, that was depressing. Yeah, before we do it, I just oh, want to yeah, say how's that, um, Calvin Harris doing? Well, I figure that... Um, look, we've, I mean, we've, sorry, Gweta, We've talked about Guetta. Um, obviously, he's kept the Eurodance train on the tracks for 30 years at this point, despite releasing some of the uh, most creatively bankrupt material of the last few decades. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's the baby Rexa story? We haven't talked about her before. Yeah. Um, I was surprised to find out she's 34 because she looks about 19 in the oh, music okay. video. So um, she must be on the same blood. Uh, <laughs> she's getting some of David Guetta's kids' blood in sure. there or something. So, um, But look, she's been in the business for over a decade. In 2010, uh, she met Fallout Boy bassist Pete Wentz. 
and uh, began working with him at a recording studio in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, old Pete helping out just wherever he can, isn't he? So, look, Tom, I've done some investigative journalism, and by that mm-hmm. I mean I've looked on Wikipedia. <laughs> and Pete was married to Ashley Simpson from 2008 to 2011. Oh, okay. Uh, while I'd hate to speculate, I'd, I'd say that Ashley found out that when Pete was working with Baby in the uh, Studio, read Finger Blasting Baby <laughs> in the Studio. And that's what led to the divorce because their meeting sort of coincidentally just falls into the period mm. just before they get divorced. So look, you heard this decade old news here first, exclusive, Pete Wentz, Fallout Boy, yeah. Finger Slaying, Bebe Rexa in the studio. And that's what led to the divorce. So here we go. So anyway, she became a member and lead vocalist of Wentz's experimental project called Black Cards. Okay. Um, the band played a variety of shows and released sing- several singles and remixes. However, in January 2012, Wentz announced that Rexa had left the band to pursue other endeavours. So mm. even she realised that the post-Fallout boy Pete Wentz works uh, Black Cards was dog shit and she yep. made the move to get out of here so there you go um, look she also was awarded the Abe Ullman scholarship for her contributions as a songwriter which and she's probably the second most famous person to get this award after John Legend so oh, okay. I had a look at the people that have got this award I've never heard of any of them before <laughs> apart from John Legend oh, okay. however um, she did contribute to writing Eminem's and Rihanna's The Monster Mm, okay. So there you go. There you go. Co-writer on that magic. Um, Guetta, 70 million. Bebe, 53 million. Spotify. 53 Way million. too many. That's too much. Fucking That's crazy. Hell. That's that crazy. is mental. Anything else to say about this? No? Good. Those, we said it before, but those dance music guys, they, their, their numbers get crazy. Because yeah. people, everyone, every there must be people that decide oh, we're, we're going to go out and hit the clubs or the pubs or something. What's going to get us pumped up before we go? I know, a dog shit yeah. Eiffel 65 rework. I reckon, too, it's because they do so much remixing and so much production that they appear on so many songs that their names pop up more. That's I true. I want to yeah. listen to this song. You don't actually realise that Gwetta's in, although he puts yeah. his name on fucking everything. Well, that's right. All right, what do we got next? 3 October, um, two weeks, Sam Smith and Kim Petras... Unholy. Yes, six Tom. weeks, including one week next year. Oh yeah, I said two, yeah. Sorry, two up now and then a bit later yeah. on. So, look, Sam Smith finally doing what you said. Yeah, you said this, <laughs> and I said this a decade ago. We said, well, not we didn't say it. We said it when he had a number one yes. hit, fucking ages ago. <laughs> he needs to drop the emotional piano ballad Adele adjacent horse shit mm. and fill the gap left by the untimely death of George Michael. <laughs> yeah. This is what he should have been doing all along. <laughs> his right. old his old material, it's all piano, mm-hmm. all oh, lost love, oh, unrequited love, oh, I've had a breakup or some bullshit. He needs to get rid of that and, you know, thematically and move on to more nuanced subject matter <laughs> such as bathroom glory holes and truck jo- you know, truck stop hand yeah, jobs. That's then right. he needs to up the BPMs from 40 BPMs <laughs> to 160 and then I think we might have something going, I'd yeah. say. Yeah, apparently he was a bit upset when we called him the most boring dude in pop music. Oh, he Because sucks. in the intervening time he's done everything possible to invigorate his image short of getting cow udders grafted onto his abdomen. Yeah. I mean, I guess he's trying to sort of 
bring out his inner child, but sometimes people keep their inner child locked up for a reason, like when he tells you to wear an inflated garbage sack to the Oscars <laughs> or eat KFC for three years, then peroxide your hair and dress up as Satan. Yes. Either way, uh, Smith is 100% overcompensating, but then that tends to happen when you discover a new side of yourself, you know? Most yeah. people get it out of the way when they're 21, not 31, but maybe that's bad. Maybe people get set in their ways, you know? Maybe they should try out some new looks more, you know? Get I'm, a Post I'm Malone the, face tattoo I'm and start wearing cowboy boots to work, you know? Who gives a shit? I'm yeah. here for it. I'm I here mean, for, for it real, for do you ever sometimes look around Melbourne and think, fuck, people could stand to wear something other than a fucking black coat 360 days a year, maybe? <laughs> Absolutely. You know? And the irony being that it's never been easier to wear whatever you want in public. Like, it's of never course. been more socially acceptable to just dress up like a lunatic. You know? Yep, exactly. Yeah. So exactly. good on him for fucking pushing the boat out a bit, you know? Yeah, for sure. Look, um, Sam had this to say, Tom. Unholy was made in Jamaica and was one of the most glorious creative moments I've ever had as an artist. Mm -hmm. I've never had so much fun making a record. It was so cathartic and freeing to experiment like this and throw out the rule book. Um, So look, (laughs) I don't know about any of that, but (laughs) what I will say is that if you had so much fun making this and it was freeing to experiment then he should just do this more often. Yeah. Um, and less sad yeah. boy bullshit. Exactly. Ah. Absolutely. So. He, he also said, uh, quote, this is the most powerful part of the album and it's the most powerful piece of music I've ever been a part of. It's like an exorcism. Great. Now, did you find this song like an exorcism? No, then? not at all. I mean, it's not uncommon for one of these hits to make me throw myself against a wall, vomit profusely and tell the nearest member of the clergy that his mother sucks cocks in hell. But usually that's just the new single from Drake, you know, that I'm reacting <laughs> exactly. to. Whereas with this one, you know, I felt I felt like he was he was experiencing something cathartic, but uh, maybe I I wasn't so much. But yeah, definitely more interesting than some of his work. Oh, yeah. more interesting than anything he's ever done before. Um, but the bar is very low. I mean, you yeah. said that his. Um, James Bond song is one of the worst that's it's ever been done. It's pretty so. bad. And again, the problem is not that it's poorly performed. It's just boring. It's just not very exciting. Here's the thing. He can obviously sing. Yeah. He's got the chops. Yeah, he's got He can do that. So all he needs to do is align himself with people that are working in sort of EDM yeah. pop territory. Or just go full EDM. Yeah. And this sort of shows that he can do something a little bit more upbeat, um, a little bit wackier. Even well, it's not that wacky, wacky by which, his standards. And then, yeah. Yeah, speaking of which, Kim Petras is mm. a 30 year old German model slash musician who started releasing singles as a teenager. But it was this single with Sam Smith that really kicked off her career, hitting number one in the US and the UK as well as here. That made her the first openly transgender solo artist to reach number one in the US, oh. and also the first to receive a Grammy Award for Best Pop Duo Group Performer, and the second transgender woman to win a Grammy following Wendy Carlos, so ever. Okay. You know, she headlined at Mardi Gras in 2019 and was also part of Spotify's short-lived Rise program, which aimed to pick a handful of new solo acts each year and unearth them for a larger audience, which was an experiment they tried for about three years and then gave up on. Uh, Petrus joined the ranks of other now-massive artists such as Georgia Smith, Carol G and Russell Dickerson. 
Uh, the only artist I'd actually heard of was Joji, as featured three songs ah. ago for one week, and who already had a substantial online following for his wacky millennial cat in a box on a fridge style <laughs> antics, <laughs> exactly. as previously discussed. Oh, he's at jumping somewhere. out from behind an oven. That's right. Oh, he's dancing in a hotel room. Who yep. could have come up with that idea? But yeah. Uh, another thing that he, Chris Smith, talked about in an interview was that, once again, uh, the genesis of the song came from Omer Fetty was fucking around on a guitar and playing the scale, which I started singing to. Now, we've mentioned this before, but this is the third time we've had a terrible song which has been triggered, well, sketchy song, which has been triggered by the guy I'm now calling pop music's most dangerous enabler, Omer Fetty, Fuck. the man who managed to inspire Mood for 24 Karat Golden and Without You for Kid Leroy, not to mention more than one Post Malone song. So, so he, just, so he sits sake, on a couch. We've got to keep this guy's number out of the hands of Katy Perry and the Black Eyed Peas or they'll be having comebacks faster than you so can he, say, honey, you got some titties. It's just like, him well, sitting well, on a well, couch well. fucking around on a yeah, guitar. Yeah, and it just dance, seems dance, to dance, trigger dance, you know, dance, people like to come up with, you know, oh, I had a... So fucking... he just sits around and does a few scales and fucks around. Yeah. And then someone's like, yeah, that's it. And it's like going, okay, That's great. right. It's weird. He's like the... He's the background... Um, muse for all these dodgy artists. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I mean, I didn't, I didn't hate this song. I was a bit harsh, but yeah, it's kind of. Um, I think the video is more fun than the song, but the song is definitely more fun than a lot of his earlier stuff. Look, it's not amazing, but I think um, when you compare it to his other stuff, which is so. Bland, oh, absolutely, yeah. Is, um, but he's heading in the right direction, Tom. I will yes. say that. Um, has he hit where I want him to be? No. No. He needs to, he needs to pump up. Pump it up a bit. Yeah. He needs to sort of do George Michael, um, you know, either outside mm. where he's doing a, a sort of Full fake, on I'm getting busted by a, yeah. or a too funky. <laughs> yes, just too right. funky for me. That's sort of George Michael territory. That's where he needs yeah. to be going. So nine early nineties George Michael, I think. So um, is where he wants to be hitting. Yeah, up, so, look. at the moment because he's, I, I get the suspicion that because he's a fairly dull person, then this is crazy by his standards. Yep. If he can get to be crazy by a normal person's standards, then he'll be a lot more interesting. You know, He needs to get on the coke, because I think that'll up I'm his... pretty sure he's <laughs> <laughs> he needs on to the coke, although his physique does not perhaps suggest that, because I don't know if you saw this video, the Floria Siggy's Monday video, but it's a big theatrical Baz Luhrmann-style oh, camp yeah. fest. Yep. But on stage, I can't help but notice that Quite a large, and I use the word advisedly, proportion of his outfit is a bondage corset, which oh, yeah. just coincidentally happens to kind of hold in quite a lot of KFC. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But hey, he looks happy. I'd rather he's a bit chunky and happy than like the skinny, oh. depressed looking guy from his um, his, his five years ago. Definitely, he, definitely yeah. want the chunkiness on there, but I think um, the drugs would hopefully have an impact on what he considers <laughs> to be out there yeah, because at the moment so. his concept of out there is barely passable as normal yes. I think or, so. or he's picking it up from the people he's hanging around with it seems like he's yeah. kind of I mean we talked about it before but he's he came out as I don't know what he wasn't uh, um, non-binary non-binary and he's obviously you know be, befriended you know other artists in that area so you know he's yeah it seems to be making uh, he's it's blowing his mind which is that's fun um yeah. 
So, yeah. Uh, were you thrown by the lyrics, Tom? Because uh, <laughs> the chorus of Daddy's getting hot at the body shop doing something unholy. I was mm. thinking, was he shoplifting some body butter or bath bombs or something? <laughs> I thought he meant like the actual, the body shop. Oh, you know, the, yes. Does that, does it still, does a body shop still exist? You know, the fucking get some bath bombs fuck, or something. That was huge. Yeah. Uh, that's what I thought. And I was like, what the fuck? And then I saw the video clip and realized that. Um, he meant like a, a car repair body shop. Well, but in the video clip, that's yeah, sort of, uh, it's it, that's a um, <laughs> it's a car repair body shop. Yes. And he goes in, and it's like it a, confuses it. I so. see what you mean because what it's clearly what it's actually about is a of like um, it's clearly about a guy with a family who's on the DL and he's sneaking out at night to go to Baz Luhrmann LGBTQ raves in abandoned theatres where a guy with a peroxide hair. <laughs> tries to disguise his course into some type of bondage gear, yep. which makes sense with the lyrics. But then in the video, they've chosen to, as you say, literalise it by featuring a, a car body, body shop yep. as the front for this underground sex club, even yep. though those sex clubs are perfectly legal and don't need to be underground. And then, as you say, there's also a third body shop, which is the world-famous chain of body shop shops run by that British millionaire chick yeah. who became internationally famous. So, yeah, I see what you mean. As soon that, as you hear the words body shop, that is what you think Because I first heard this um, without seeing the music video. It's like, Daddy's getting hot at the body shop. Yeah. Like, the fuck? And then, Maybe and then I saw the video clip and went, oh, sandal he made incense. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. new scented candle. For sure, a scented candle. Then I read, oh, okay, there you go. Mm. So I thought he's getting a tune-up at the body shop, <laughs> yeah. um, which means... Um, just having sex, I think. So there you go. Um, yeah, so secret sex club disguised yeah. as a car repair shop. Yeah. What are the lyrics? Mm, Apart daddy, from daddy's daddy. getting hot at the body <laughs> shop. What else you got? Give me love, give me Fendi, my Balenciaga daddy. You're going to need it to bag. You're going to need to bag it. This is from the rap first by Petrus. Okay. You're going to need to bag it up because I'm spending on Rodeo. You can watch me back it up. I'll be going in the AM. And he, he get me Prada, he get me moo moo like Rihanna. You always call me because I never cause no drama. And when you want a baby, I know I got you covered. And when you need a baby, just jump under the covers. Now, a lot of those words don't rhyme. That's fairly standard in modern hip hop. Yeah. It's good to see the LGBT community finally ready to compete with Fergie for writing songs about being a shallow skank fishing for sugar daddies to exchange some wet hole for a 10 grand lunchbox <laughs> and a pair of the world's ugliest shoes. Seriously, Ben, I think Balenciaga might be a revenge fantasy enacted by the gay community against rich straight people. Yeah. And I can't even feel bad for the victims because their clothes make my eyes bleed. Yeah. You know, they did it to themselves as Tom York once said yeah I mean I think again <laughs> listening to his interview he seems to think that this is pretty edgy but it really it just sounds like a kind of normal gender swapped or you know transgender swapped version of a like a hip hop lyric about you know yeah. doing something sneaky on the, I mean like that that uh, uh, the song uh, the Little Nas X song from last week was basically the same topic e.g. except he has He's talking about himself and a partner. You know, he's saying, like, I don't care if you're pretending to be straight. I'll hook up with you anyway as long as when we're in private you're, you call me by my name or whatever. Yeah, look, it's... um, You, you drop the, the name brands uh, in the song, obviously. Exactly, yeah. But I think, um, in reality, if you had a sugar mama, Tom, um, 
in your you know after some some deep dicking would you want the Balenciaga or would you just want like a check made out to cash <laughs> for the amount of the Balenciaga? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Rather than $5,000 of the world's ugliest shoes. <laughs> I think I would... You'd just, you'd just take the cash, I think. Because it's... <laughs> oh, this is... I mean, is it is it on the part of the the person that's, um, you know, the, the that's getting the dicking and paying out Saying if I give you a, uh, some Balenciaga shoes, mm. boots, it feels like it's a gift. So yeah. I'm not paying. I'm like, we've we've you've dicked me, and this is a gift to you mm. that's unrelated to the dicking. <laughs> Whereas if I give you cash, it just feels like a transaction. Yeah, is that sort of how that's it works? true. I see. Um, because certainly, as long as they include the receipt in the box, because it seems like hard work. You got to go out. You got to buy the shoes. This in the size, and then okay. they've got to take it and back then take and it, get yeah. the refund. So it's just like yeah. just 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 give me the euros um, yeah. or the pounds, and we're good to go. We can move on from this. So. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, Balenciaga. I I um, had to get some new new work boots, uh, some shoes for work time, and I went into the the David Jones, mm-hmm. and they had I think one pair of the Balenciaga boots that were <laughs> the shoes that I was looking in the range of one to two hundred dollars time mm-hmm. for some work shoes. You know, it's the you know yep. that's how much shoes cost these days for some leather boots or whatever. Um, they were about fifteen hundred, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think I went back about six months later and walked through there. They were still there <laughs> deep discount no one was touching them um, yeah. I think that'd have to be about a hundred dollars for anyone went near them because they looked horrifically bad yes. like the sort of thing you couldn't wear to any occasion you know those mm. sorts of like yeah. you make these footwear and it's just like if I went to a Hollywood premiere yeah, maybe, maybe but that's it um, I'm just going to High Point <laughs> KFC. Even half of the shit at Hollywood premieres is rented because even celebrities aren't insane enough to keep that shit. They just borrow it from them. Exactly right. All right, who have we got next? Uh, Last song for the year, Tom. It is Taylor Swift. She is back for six weeks. Anti hero. Yes. Uh, Lead single from her 10th studio album, Midnight's, the most recent one. Yep. First album, well, most recent original one. First album solely produced by longtime collaborator Jack Antonoff. Jack off to his mate. Anti hero is Swift's longest running number one song in the UK and the US where it wow. marked Swift's ninth number one on the Billboard Hot 100 and made her the first soloist in history to debut five songs atop the chart and was the best-selling song of 2022 and joined nine other tracks from Midnight to completely fill the Billboard Top 10. Oh, yeah. The first time that that had happened in Billboard history. Yep. Uh, undeniably, unlike a lot of her contemporaries from the prior decade, your Gaga, your Perry, your Mr. Kim Kardashian... She hasn't tailed off. In fact, she might be the biggest artist in the entire world right now. Yep. Like, she has to be transported in a box out of hotels and to the stage sometimes because it is just too much effort to be out in public. She paid everyone who worked on her most recent tour a hundred grand bonus, like, wow. including the drivers and roadies and shit. She spent, like, $4 million on bonus. And she can just toss that away. I was listening to a podcast recently and they were asking... Like seriously, could do you think she could get any more popular to yep. fame? Can she get any bigger? Can she sustain this? And if you know, what should she do with this level of exposure? Like, what do you reckon? What would you do? You know, if you had, yeah. if you had that opportunity to do something. That the podcaster's idea was that 
she should use it to build a better ticket master for artists <laughs> like because she's one yeah. of the few people with the clout who could actually start up her own thing oh, and absolutely. like brand it as an alternative like an artist friendly fan friendly alternative because Ticketmaster seem to have basically a global monopoly oh, at she the moment definitely do that everyone fucking hates them but most people don't have the have the, the you know the the weight behind them to be able to do anything yeah yeah no absolutely agreed yeah look it's one of those things where I sort of thought is this um, because last year the number one that we talked about was a re-recording yes um, and I think we've had a few of those but you know I was sort of thinking to myself when you said this was the biggest song I was like oh is this a bit of a Taylor Swift you know renaissance after the sort of shake it off era where she had a few big hits but Mm -hmm. the reality is she hasn't really ever gone away no like I said she hasn't really had a flop album no no. even her re-release of her old albums are bigger hits than her original fucking albums yeah exactly the um yeah if anything um I think when I thought she was at her biggest period of time she's I think you're right she's bigger now than she yeah, was back no then. no I know what you mean there was that bit where she and Katy Perry were neck and neck and they were like sniping at each other and I was sort yep. of like oh it's gonna go down here people have turned they're a bit sick of her hip-hop nonsense but instead she just sort of moved into her you know she found these other two producers and now she just switches between this kind of singer songwritery cardigan friendly style and this kind of electro pop slightly retro-tinged synth style. Yeah, exactly. I think she has the ability to um, sort of cut... Yeah, you're right. Like, during lockdown, she was quite happy to sort of do those sort of more folky type things. Yeah, that's her comfort zone, I think. Um, But then do this as well. So, look, it's, um, yeah, pretty impressive. And, look, she'll be here later this year, Tom. And, look, um, we've all got our exclusive, you know... VIP tickets with uh, the tote bag, the postcards, all that shit. So super exciting times for us. Um, I'll have to yeah. try and win those in a in a, a competition because I don't have fifteen hundred dollars to spend on Taylor Swift tickets. But there you go. Um, anyway, you do get so, that tote bag, though. You do. You do get the don't tote forget bag. The lanyard. What What do you think of the actual song? Um, yeah. Look, I think it's kind of it's a little bit low key synthy pop like yeah. it's a little bit sort of understated for, for Taylor's sort of like it's less sort of um, yeah it's not a ballad but it's not super up no like it's either. definitely it's synth pop but it's like definitely slower tempo not as upbeat as sort of yeah, yeah. The shake it off type material um, certainly I prefer this um, over the sort of folky country yes, stuff she's done the last too. few years Look, it's certainly not as powerful or as, as hooky, you know, like Shake It Off had like the mm. big or, you know, I Knew You Were Trouble when, you know, those sort of yeah. hooky like, oh, you know. So the, less... the chorus is pretty hooky, but yep. the verses let it down a little bit, I yep. think. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, look, I like this one. Definitely good. Um, mm. I sure. like it's kind of, I find the sort of introspectiveness of it, despite the cliches about you know, introspectiveness being a millennial trait and so forth, but it's less common in pop music. It's it's rare to hear someone talking about just them themselves as opposed to 
other people or looking at themselves always through the lens of someone they want to fuck, someone they used to fuck, someone yeah. they're hoping to fuck, what their friends think about the person they used to fuck, etc., etc. Exactly. Or people just bragging about how much money they have. It's nice to hear someone sort of talking about their, their mental state and that sort of thing, I think. Or yeah. it's at least, you know. I Personally, I prefer the song Karma, which oh, yeah. was the next big single from the album, and, but it only made it to number two in Australia and the US, so we won't be talking about it. Okay. Uh, it's simpler, but it's a bit more of a departure from our usual stuff. Uh, in its own bubbly gel pen journal way, it's a much more effective diss track than any of the pseudo-hip-hop stuff she was doing in the 2010s. Okay. But yeah, regardless, Taylor described this one, Antihero, as one of the favourite songs she's ever written. And it really does seem like she's trying to cut a bit closer to her own bone than usual. Yeah. Um, at least reaching outside of the basic territory of questionable rap, Dawson's Creek adjacent romance, and <laughs> fucking cardigans again. Yeah. I find the pre-chorus parts with the assonant verses I find a bit irritating. It's got that sort of Bono vibe where, because she does like lyrics, she will, if she comes across something, she'll sometimes she'll put it in because she likes it a bit too much even though it doesn't really fit with the rest of the song, she'll like wedge it in the way Bono can't resist doing two extra lines when he should have stopped yeah, because he okay. found a good rhyme that he likes or something like that, you know. Yeah. Realising that vices rhymes with prices and crisis is nice, but it doesn't mean you have to sort of wedge it into <laughs> the song, you know, or put it in another song where it's yep. its own thing. Yeah, anyway. Exactly. So, yeah, look, um, as I was going to say, I, I know this one. Uh, Annie here, I think I've maybe heard another one or two off mm. the album, but not the whole thing. You've spent significant time with it, Tom. Um, but <laughs> I you've did already mentioned to this one. You've already bit, mentioned yeah. your your other preferred I, track. I like this. Yeah. it's got a it's got a bonus. It's one of the you know sometimes they have an album and then they'll have like a bonus extra chunk, like six yep. songs or eight songs that were like yeah, set there. Yeah. Like B sides, yeah, or not, or yeah, yeah, or cut like yeah. cut second, second final album, beta version tracks, and that those are not all produced. All the songs in the album are produced by Jack Antonoff. It's like they decided. It's like she went. I've been using these two producers back and forth for ages. I just, I'll just try it with one guy, yeah. and then it'll give it this slightly different sound from the rest, which yeah. does work. But I think maybe just coincidentally some of the ones that she did with the other producer, the uh, guy from her previous um, album. Yeah. Some of those are the better ones. There's a really good song there called High Infidelity and there's a couple of other ones that... And they're a bit... There's a little bit too much mush on this album for my liking. She yeah. does get into... There's a lot of sort of floaty love songs and stuff that I could have done without. Yeah. But yeah. about It's not bad though. It's got about a... I'd say it's got about a 50-50 hit rate, okay. which is pretty good. Not too And bad. if you throw in those bonus tracks, then it pushes it over into, you know... Yeah. yeah. And if you just like pleasant... If you, I'm a, I am a bit of a sucker for that retro synth sound. So if yeah. you just like that as background music, it's lovely background music. Absolutely. Yeah. Look, um, this isn't about a, bra- a breakup, as you said, or a boyfriend, more introspective track, but there's no metaphorical scarf she can sell in the merch store. <laughs> no, that's true. Is there an, an anti-hero <laughs> type? Uh, what what can she sell? Like, who's that guy that she hates? Scooter Braun? Like, can have like a like a voodoo doll of him of some yeah. shit that she can sort of sell? 
themselves. Well, um, apparently, it seems like the new direction she's going in uh, here is a bit of some comedy action. Have you seen the video for this? The, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She's doing, yeah, I hope so. I hope she does a, she should do a sitcom. <laughs> if you haven't seen the video, there's like, there's sort of, I think there's three different versions of Taylor yeah. trying to live a normal life. Yeah. So there's a kind of dorky one, there's a sort of bad girl one, and there's one who's just an enormous, like she's like 30 foot tall one. Yeah. And they all sort of get in each other's way, but also support each other and ultimately are the only ones looking out for each other in the video, even the one who's 20 metres tall. Uh, it's not a subtle metaphor, but it works well and she can afford good effects. Like yeah. the tall her looks rad, you know. There's a bit at the very end where they're sitting on the roof drinking a bottle of wine and the tall her walks down the street and like sits down in the front yard and it just looks like something from the BFG or something. Yes. It's, a, it's a great effect. Um, yeah. She's toned it down though, only playing three versions of herself. There's another <laughs> yeah. video clip where she does like 12. So. <laughs> That's right. I, I've yeah. um, thinking about. Um, it's a little bit of restraint. Obviously, yeah. we thought about Nicki Minaj and some other songs that she could do. <laughs> I'd like to see um, Taylor Swift uh, reboot Sweet Valley High, mm. where she plays oh. both twins. God, she does it. a sort of dual role of both of them. A friend so of mine uh, who you know used to regularly tune into that show in the middle of the day. <laughs> <laughs> just because he had a thing about the concept of two girls who looked exactly the same, one of whom was a bit of a bad girl. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, if anyone's ready for Sweet Valley High. Also, don't tell me Taylor Swift didn't own the full 20-metre-long Sweet Valley High bookshelf collection yeah. of every book. Oh, look, as a teenager watching afternoon TV, the Sweet Valley High twins <laughs> were certainly uh, some of the most attractive people on television. I believe the modern saying. version is a show about three mermaids oh, in Australia okay. who <laughs> seem to just swim around wearing not much clothes. Um, it's, it's for kids, Ben. I don't know yes, why you get yeah, so weird. Just because they're smoking hot 20-year-olds with no clothes on doesn't mean no, it's exactly. not for children. Um, look, I was reading earlier today that um, USA Today, uh, they're looking to hire Tom. This is something, um, if you're looking for a new job, I know you are, put your application in. They're hiring a dedicated Taylor Swift reporter for the USA Today oh to <laughs> report upon her cultural impact. That's Ooh. how big she is these days. Oh, damn it. They're getting a report. They're hiring someone to only report on Taylor Can Swift. Can you so imagine you. the length of the queue of... 15-year-old girls and middle-aged gay men that would be in that Oh, absolutely. It would just snake around the block. Um, It says says, um, you do require five years of journalism experience, which you've got, (laughs) um, I know. Sure. And international travel will be required, Mm, so possibly to go to Taylor Swift shows. So there you go. But it does pay um, up to 105 US dollar thousand a year 105,000 a year oh my god so there you go that's good get involved who's paying this uh, USA Today, they're you know they're they're hiring someone to just do television stories. I just completely became untethered. You'd want to sign up for a a, for a, a decent contract because after <laughs> three weeks they might be like, oh, this isn't viable. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, look, uh, the video version of the song also has a funny little sketch in it in the middle with her spoiled future children arguing about her money with a bunch of legit comedy actors like Mike Babiglia and people from Search Party. And it's always sunny in Philadelphia, who she can apparently afford to spend 30 seconds in a video. (laughs) But do you think that inspired Madonna's tour announcement video? Have you seen that? No. Fucking insanity. Oh my God. I haven't seen it. Is there, what's she doing there? She's, 
hired a bunch of comedians, like big ones like Jack Black and Amy Schumer and Eric Andre, to play Truth or Dare with sitting around a big table in honour of the famous rockumentary that came out when Warren Beatty was still young and hot. Uh, this must be some of that cringe comedy the kids are talking about because watching this game me douche chew was so bad I had to lie down for several hours. Is it that bad? Is it really terrible? Oh, I thought Eric Andre had more integrity than that. <laughs> Madonna's got a lot of scratch, Ben. Damn. There's a lot we can learn about Madonna from this video, but only if we've just arrived from Venus or are 11 years old, because for 40 years she's been gripping the zeitgeist with golem arms, to paraphrase <laughs> Tina Fey, a comedian who strangely doesn't appear in this. And one thing we've learned in that whole time is that she doesn't seem to actually have a sense of humour. Like, yeah. I think she has the uh, she has the nous to realise that comedy is having a moment right now. Like, yeah. it's, quite, it's quite cool. And that comedians are some of the coolest people in the zeitgeist. So she's, like, recruited this bunch of people. And she might be friends with a couple of them, I don't know. But what the fuck it has to do with anything. And then she approaches it in this kind of... She's got that vibe that Britney Spears also had a bit, which is... The funniest thing you can do in any given situation is make people uncomfortable a la the sex book and just say something gross or and tell she's, people she's to... Doing, doing that uh, it's just... It's it's hard to watch. It's real hard to watch. It's I'm going to watch it. For a bunch of different reasons. Yeah, you should. It's worth watching. It's a weird fucking thing. But it's, yeah. it's pretty interesting that um, the people that are involved because... Eric Andre is the king of cringe comedy in terms of him doing I know. that awkward yes. talk show where he just makes everyone just yeah. awkward as possible for other people. Yeah. So for him to be involved in this, it's either a, some sort of meta comment I know. on awkwardness. And or, I can or understand, like, Amy Schumer's fallen off a bit. She probably, you know, associating with Madonna in this video is good for her brand. But, like, Jack Black doesn't need any money. Oh, fuck like, no. he's no. like a B-list Hollywood actor, you he know? Can, he yeah. doesn't need anything. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's weird. I don't Absolutely. know. I mean, I guess he's kind of musical. I anyway. mean, Madonna's got a lot of cash out, I suppose. It would be like if... You know, a pre-ped Michael Jackson invited you over to Neverland. <laughs> be like, it's going to be so fucking awkward, but it'll You'd be go. one to tell my kids about. For you know, sure. it's, it might For be sure. the weirdest dinner I've ever yeah, been exactly. to. Exactly. I can exactly. only imagine the behind-the-scenes shit that went on in this fucking oh, weird video. For sure. Yeah, I'd yeah. be there for a pre-ped Michael Jackson dinner <laughs> without a shadow of a doubt. Also, knowing Madonna's work ethic, they probably started filming at six a.m. and went till three a.m. So, <laughs> Christ knows how. What was we, we're going to need time. seventeen hours to capture. <laughs> this 30 seconds yeah. sure. alright so uh, yeah anything else to um, say nothing to say about that end of the year is another week of unholy oh, yeah. sure. and then all I want for Christmas is you back for another two weeks as every year the Australian public yeah. 19th of December they started listening on time this year as opposed to that's right earlier where they fucking missed the queue at the end I of last year so there you go seriously starting to wonder if this song has coded messages to Russian spies or something in it oh, for Christmas possibly year. involving chemtrails like yeah. if you play it backwards it says run bourgeois piggies fly to your malls of shopping <laughs> and use your credited cards to enter life of indentured servitude for capitalist banking institutions ha 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 or something like that I think because so. fucking hell you remember when you know back in the People aren't going to remember this, but back in the old radio days when you would listen to half your music on the radio, there were those weird stations in the middle of the dial, you know? Oh, Sometimes yeah. you'd find them in the middle of the night and they would just be like Morse code or like someone just saying numbers, you know, and these things. And people would be like, what is this? What does this mean? But I'm thinking the modern equivalent is tucked between the lines of Mariah Carey. 
Absolutely. I mean, goodness me, we're going to get a number one. She's going to have this song forever. Forever and yeah. ever and ever and ever and ever. Until oh. someone writes a better <laughs> Christmas song. That time, it's either us getting Ice MC to the top of the charts or you and me composing mm. and recording a better Christmas song. Yeah. So it's up to us, Tom, to do. Oh, I forgot to say lyrics. Oh, oh yeah. I was going to say uh, Taylor Swift. Yeah. Oh, oh that's sorry. I forgot to mention, Tom. No, no, no. Her streaming good. numbers. What's that? 101 million. Wow, that's the first person who's cracked it. Yeah. Well done, Taylor. Like, so, nine figures. The yep. first person with nine figures. Man, alive. So we've had a lot of high streaming numbers, but yep, she's finally hit it. <laughs> well, congratulations, Taylor. Well, and she's coming to Australia soon. That's only yeah, going to pump that they, further Like we the said, she set worldwide sales records for her latest tour across America. She set yep. worldwide records in Australia. They added more shows. She set more records for those ones. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, well, lyrics. I mean, everyone knows the chorus of this is like, I'm the problem, it's me, etc. But there's one verse which I heard a few people sort of puzzling over. Sometimes I feel like everybody is a sexy baby. That's a 30 Rock reference for some reason. <laughs> and I'm a monster on the hill. Too big to hang out, slowly lurching toward your favourite city, pierced through the heart but never killed. I think there she's just talking about how weird it is trying to have normal friendships with people while being the biggest rock star in the world. Yeah. Like, imagine if your mate Gary, who you went to university with, was also as famous as Michael Jackson. Like oh, yeah. He, like you would find out... 18 months in advance that he was going to be visiting you by seeing a giant billboard advertising his 2025 oh, world exactly. tour and thinking, oh, Gary's coming to town. Maybe I'll get to hear Gary. I mean, even if Gary somehow through all of that managed to retain some semblance of his normal personality and, you know, snuck over to your house sans security or paparazzi with a KFC bucket on his head in a box carried by, you know, <laughs> disguised minders or something, it would still be pretty weird having him over to dinner. Of course, yeah, you exactly. Know? There would always be this strange glittering tension, I reckon. Not to mention the fact that half of Gary's songs are like really personal heartfelt odes to chicks you used to hang out when you were both with 21 yeah, exactly. at uni exactly. and the other half are about cheating on Calvin Harris and getting dicked by the guy from Thor Ragnarok. Which we can all relate to you know? as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. it would be kind of weird. Definitely. Well, that's it. Yeah. The year is done. Yeah. So that's 2022. Next was... episode, we're going to... Sorry, you got... Sorry. Oh, there was one little thing oh, yeah. I was going yeah, to yeah. add, but no, please no, continue. No, no. I was just going to say 2022... We're done. Um, yep, obviously, we're up to present day. Next time in the podcast, we're going to travel back in time. Yep, uh, starting from we, 82, yep, which is the we've year done, before we picked up. We started in 83 to yep. the present. We've done that, so we can go back to 82 and look at uh, the Kent charts, which are yes. pre-ARIA, and have a look at it's all those hits. Basically so, the same thing as the ARIA charts, but a lot easier to say because it's not a dumb Kent acronym. Charts, and we won't have to... And there'll be no Will I Am. There'll be no fucking Black Eyed Peas. Hallelujah. No, none of that bullshit. No Ed Sheeran. We're good to go. So. On the downside, the videos are going to get less and less expensive as we travel back in time. There so won't be any in about two years, I think. So, anyway. Yeah, I was just going to say one small thing. Yep. Uh, something I missed... You probably saw this, but have mm. you heard of Damien Real and Noah Rubin? No. Well, uh, you might have heard the story. In a unique effort to combat the one of the, the ongoing, probably the central thesis of so far this whole podcast, the ongoing um, 
theme of it, yeah. the high volume of dubious lawsuits flying back and forth in the music industry today, oh. based around the concept of interpolating yeah, what okay. constitutes music. So a team of musicians in 2020 recorded every possible melody onto a single hard drive yeah. and then put that into the public domain. And one of the reasons why it's so tough to defend a copyright lawsuit is because the court now considers a melody just a sequence of pitches. So Damien Real and Noah Rubin developed a program that recorded every possible melody in an octave, which is about 68.7 billion melodies, and then put it via MIDI onto a hard drive. Rhythms are not considered because they are not legally applicable, and it has to be in a physical form because you can't copyright a thing unless it... uh, You can't patent a thing unless it's in a physical form, I think. There was a technicality that meant it had to be recorded onto one hard drive. Damien Reel is a musician, a programmer, and an attorney who understands how copyright works. Uh, His idea was to commit this vast library of melodies, um, along with his friend Noah Rubin, which automatically bestows copyright on all of them as soon as they're on a medium. That's it. So when they're on a medium, medium. it automatically copyrights them, like writing a letter to yourself, I suppose. Now, anyone can download the works and the program the two used in order to take the process further at allthemusic.info. The duo hope to actually put an end to bullshit copyright lawsuits like the Katy Perry Dark Horse or the Blurred Lines cases. In just about all infringement cases, a jury rules against the songwriter if it's possible that he or she had access to a previous work somehow. That means the songwriter might accidentally copy a song that they've heard and forgotten about or just heard on the radio or written it independently without ever hearing it, yet still be liable for plagiarism. And what's more, there are only 243 combinations of a sequence of three notes up and down and five notes wide that most pop songs fall into. So there really aren't that many fucking pop songs but yeah yeah okay i mean anyway this is all well and good for the music industry but we're working in the much more important field of podcasting so what (laughs) i'm aiming to do is set up what i'm calling the verbal archival dialectical generative experiment or vag yeah i'm not sure what you've got on for the weekend ben but ideally you and i will spend the next 47 years in a specially constructed bunker underneath the norwegian permafrost in which we'll systematically record every possible combination of dick joke comedian interviewing a comedian and weightlifter just asking questions about the vaccine that way future generations of podcasters will be protected from copyright claims directed at everyone from the little guys all the way through the mid-level gaming tiers right up to the big guys like us will anderson and lord high professor dr joseph timothy rogan all praise him sounds uh, let's do that perfect yeah can we also do um just uh friends chatting about things that have happened in general life that are in no way interesting but they somewhat feel like when they were walking like down is. the street the yeah, other exactly. day that sort of stuff I went to the supermarket and didn't have any broccoli oh, OMG that's right especially when the topic of the show is like quantum physics or something <laughs> yeah exactly first 45 minutes of it are about, about the last broccoli, time yeah. I went to Woolworths for sure because we would never get I would never get distracted from the topic in no, a exactly way. All right, we'll be back yes. with 1982. Mm. Farewell. See you later.